Now, today is a very special podcast as we kind of was hinting throughout this throughout the year, and this is a very special artist spotlight on the group called Arashi. So, I'm your host, Ken, and with me we have Luna. Hello, everyone, Oginki. And Gray. What's happening, dudes? <laughs> yeah, with that, let's kind of talk about first. How do we feel about the group kind of going into this? Because this this particular episode was a year and a half worth of planning. And it kind of just worked out in the end. Honestly, personally, I thought this episode was going to be one of the hardest episodes we'll ever do to date. Because of their, their discography, first of all. And second, uh, none of it was available at Apple Music when we decided to do this originally. This was what a year and a half ago, right around the time that they decided to be like, "Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do our hiatus and things like that." So about a year and a half ago. Yeah, it was it was close to a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. So that when we right. when we decided to do this, I knew that this was probably going to be a very difficult episode to cover because of just how fast their discography was but they ended up surprising me by putting most of their discography on apple music and across digital streaming so that helped us considerably kind of lock this episode in so i'm very happy that we are able to a do this episode and b do it before their their hiatus this was very important for me those two points there but how'd you guys feel about the group before going into this i knew that you guys were all right with them, but I didn't know how you personally felt about them. Let's start with you, Gray. Uh, yeah, so Adashi, it, it was one of those groups where, you know, we had talked about them for a long time, and I, I've known for a long time, like, how big of a deal they are, but I haven't really just sat down to really 
take in their discography and and to listen to to their career and what they've been able to achieve. And so this project that we we've done has been a wonderful blessing. Uh, I've just I've loved my time with these guys so much, and it's a bittersweet day. In a weird way, because it's kind of just sad that, I mean, we have to do the show. I mean, this day was always coming, but I've really just loved my time with these guys. And, and you know, I'll still keep listening to them well after this podcast, like, by by all means. I'm not, you know, but we all, we have, like, so many projects, so it, it's, it always gets hard. Things get lost in the shuffle. And uh, I just, I've loved my time with these guys. We've listened to every song that they've ever recorded. I don't know how many that is. A lot. It's a lot of songs. And I will say I have not heard one bad song yet. I've heard songs that, of varying degrees that I like, but I've not heard one bad song. They're all good in their own way. And I loved my time with them. So I agree with Gray. I have absolutely loved my time with them. And I was familiar with them before. And we'll get into it later on as we go through the podcast. I was mainly familiar with specific songs thanks to Jay Doramas, but this made me got me to listen to their whole discography and enjoy it besides the previous ones and a lot that were on the Oricon that I've listened to. And it made me, it gave me a whole new appreciation for Arashi. And not only that, I grown to really love all their music and enjoy songs that I originally was very iffy on and now I just absolutely adore so I feel like this was a great project to do and a great time to do this and I ended up picking up their 5 times 20 album due to a lot of their music not being available in Apple Music at the time and I will say I am so glad I did because it gave me exposure to that, along with Apple Music putting all their discography out. And it broadened my horizons in, and also gave me so much appreciation for them in general. And I can't be thankful enough, Ken, for you choosing Adoshi and at the perfect time to do this as well. Yeah, so like for me, before we even decided to do this, there were, they, these this group, they're my boys. I've been a fan of Arashi for well over 10 years now and I've loved a majority of their discography we'll get into some misses later but a majority of their their discography I've absolutely loved and they were a very important group to honestly a lot to deal with my Japanese skill and I'll get into that in a little bit later on when we come across it but Yeah, this is probably the reason why this particular group is the reason why that my Japanese skills, well, in my opinion, got improved and was the the reason why I fell in love with Japan even more was because of this particular group. And so I'm very happy that we're able to do this because I was fearing this episode for the longest time. And it was all right, I think. <laughs> I think all in all, uh, going into this, I think we'll we'll do okay. So with that, let's kind of go into the group as a whole. You know, Arashi, if you guys don't know, they are a five-member boy out group from the talent agency Johnny's and Associates that was formed in September 15th of 1999 in the very special location of Honolulu, Hawaii. They consist of members... 
Satoshi Ono, Sho Sakurai, Masaki Aiba, Kazunari Ninomiya, and Jun Matsumoto. For clarity's sake, from here on, I am going to be talking about the members via their last names. So I'm not going to be saying their first names. I'm just going to be saying their last names from here on out. So if you guys are surprised, just kind of be a heads up for that. They made their debut announcement via a press conference aboard a cruise ship off the coast of Hawaii. And then President Jani Kitagawa chose the members and the name Arashi, which means storm in Japanese. The naming aspect was to represent the agency's storm through the music industry. So, And I believe they've done that. Before we go into their history of itself, let's talk about a little bit about the members. So we have Satoshi Ono. He is considered the lead vocalist of the group and is considered the quote-unquote leader of the group. He's the only member of the group to release a solo single and is one of the group's choreographers. While he does enjoy his time in Odyssey, his true passion is fine art. He's the first artist in Johnny's Johnny's associates to hold an art exhibit and as of 2020 Ono has designed charity t-shirts for Nippon Television's 24-hour telethons four time making him the first artist to do so. Next up we have Sho Sakurai. He is the main rapper of the group and is the first to take on more of a focus on current events becoming a newscaster on the news program News Zero every Monday from 2006. And in 2008, he was appointed the official newscaster for new coverage of the Olympic Games in Beijing on Nippon TV, which Sakurai has continued to do so ever since then and with future games. Then Misaki Aiba, he's the jokester of the group and one of the more interesting members. As in, in 2004, he became a co-host for a variety show called Tensai Shimura Dobutsu-en, which is a informational show about animals. And this made Aiba the first member to regularly participate in a variety show not hosted by Arashi. And then he took over hosting duties for the show and changed the name after the unfortunate incident passing of Ken Shimura earlier in the year. Then, Kazunari Ninomiya, he's noted in the group as a fellow actor with alongside Jun Matsumoto and is a gifted actor of Arashi. He starred in numerous shows and movies and described as an actor who can act with only using his mouth and his eyes. He's also a rarity in the group as he's the only one of Arashi who is currently married. So, Then lastly, we have Jun Matsumoto, who is known as their concert producer for several of Arashi's live concerts and is more famously known internationally for his portrayal as Daioji Tsukashi in the hit adaptation of the romance manga Hanayori Dango. So before we kind of go into this, I kind of got to ask this. Which member is your favorite? Or if you guys had a favorite kind of going into this. Let's start with you, Luna. So going into it, my favorite was already Shosakurai. Mainly because one, I thought he was cute. And I also liked a lot of his hosting. And that's what I knew him as, hosting and acting beforehand. 
And then when I ventured into Adashi's discography, I ended up really liking Ono because of all his solo tracks. And I thought, like, just like Shosakurai's, I loved his as well. But Ono was also on par with, like, the most solo tracks I like to show. And then I also love Matsumoto Jun because of Hanayori Dango. So that's where my bias comes in on him. But I will say, if I had to choose just one, it would be Shosakurai. What about you, Gray? Yeah, for me, I knew Sho mostly from watching the Kohaku that we do every year. Because he's hosted it the past two years. He's co-hosted the past two years. And that, that's where I mostly knew, it, knew him as. And I really liked his personality in the show. Like, it really shows through. He seems like a very affable guy and fun to, to get to know. And then when I started listening to the music, show really, really became my favorite. Because he's the rapper of the group. And he has a lot of really good solo songs that I really wound up liking, too. But like a lot of the songs that I wound up really liking, it was shows rapping that was kind of like the icing on the cake of the song and was really like sealing the deal for me. So for me, it really wound up being show. I, I just I really, really like him and his talent and I love his rap. So uh, I think he's really talented and he he's probably easily my favorite. So for me, I mean, <laughs> I guess we're going to three for three. A show is one of my favorites, but if I had to pick one, it would be Nino, Nino Mia. I mean, he's been in influence throughout my life personally with just how he was involved with a lot of dramas and things like that. So I grew up pretty much following his acting career and his songs were just amazing. So I mean, I... Personally, I know one of the biggest Ninomiya fangirls in Hawaii, probably probably on the West Coast here, as personally, but she would probably have my head if I say Nino. But if I had to choose between the five of them, it, it would be hard because each member has their own flair to them, not just with music, but just their own personality that I've um, ended up really loving. It would be show. It would be Sakurai. I mean... His influence, kind of having that public eye because of his newscasting things kind of also helped, which also eased himself when he was doing the Kohaku stuff, which is why he felt more of a natural during those things. Yeah, great. So. That does make a lot of sense, yes. So his time with being on that kind of thing, which is really funny because he had to do a drama. I, I, I think we'll get into this. Uh, later on in the script he had to do a drama and the drama that he was a part of was going on during the winter olympics in korea and very specially what they were doing for that drama is at the end of it at, at the end of every episode while they're doing the credits they would do a live like stream thing of or live shooting of the actors and actresses kind of getting together and talking about the show overall so what was very interesting is he had to do his live version from Korea because he was he was in Korea doing the Olympics. So it was very interesting to kind of see him do that and kind of keep the heart of, well, he's always going to be working no matter what, even if he's there for another job kind of thing. And I really like that about him. So 
with that, let's kind of go into their discography. So they debuted through Pony Canyon, which we know they, they are a very highly sought-after idol label company. And their debut single was Odyssey. And it debuted strong in November of 1999, reaching over 550,000 copies and close to a million near the end of its charts run. And then following April in 2000, their second single was a double A-side, which was Sunrise Nippon slash Horizon, which debuted at number one, selling over 300,000 copies. The next day, the boys began their first concert tour at Osaka Hall and... In July, they released their next single, Typhoon Generation, which debuted third on the charts and was the last single of the year 2000. And finally, with their fourth single, Kansha Kangeki Ame Arashi, debuted at number two at the charts and was, while it wasn't the latest single to recapture their magic as their debut there, their first album, Arashi Number no. 1, Arashi wa Arashi Obu, debuted at number one with initial sales of over 260,000 copies in January of 2001. While not being the highest sales numbers of the group, it remained the group's all-time best-selling album for nearly a decade. And then throughout the year, Arashi embarked on their first nationwide tour that took place in Sendai, Osaka, Nagoya, Hokkaido, Fukuoka, Hiroshima, Kanazawa, Toyama, and Tokyo, and did an unprecedented 26 performances before that they announced that they will be moving to the private label called J-Storm in 2001. So, how do you guys feel about their debut album? Let's start with you, Gray. Yeah, uh, for a debut album, it's it's pretty solid album overall. I think it's pretty notable that they're trying to figure out who they are in this album, but overall, it's pretty solid. It's a really good first album, and I think it's something that a lot of people you know, would hope to have as far as like a first album goes. So, I mean, I think it's a pretty good album. It's a good starting point, especially for the, for their career. And uh, it, it really shows. So I, I agree with Gray. I mean, it, it's a great start from album as there's, they're still trying to figure out who they are. I really do think the highlight is their debut song, Arashi. And I just love the 90s style of the boy bands because as a child, I loved boy bands like Backstreet Boys and Sang, all that great stuff. Um, and Adashi is one of those that I wish if I would have been exposed to at when I was younger because I would have fallen in love with them when I first heard this. And I think they're, as the album as a whole, it is very good. And it's a good start to their career. And I like that they are trying to find themselves in it. And that's the main thing is they do do a couple different things in all their songs. And I I greatly enjoyed it. I mean, the first time I heard it, I was super iffy and I didn't know what to think. But the second time around, I warmed up to it and it just brought me back to that time period. And I just couldn't get enough of it, that nostalgia. So like for me, it is a debut album so i'm not gonna knock on it too harshly so to speak and you are right when we do do these kind of first album things they don't the groups or artists don't usually know what they want to be and they're kind of just picking and feeling what their so-called style is so it's very interesting to kind of see that obviously you got all their hits a lot of the the singles that were released during this time were probably the standouts. You got Horizon, you got 
Kansei Kangeki Ame Arashi, which is their song that they pretty much sing to death on with live shows. If you were ever to watch a a live concert of Arashi, this would probably be the song that stands out around this time. But yeah, with that, let's continue on to their last single under Pony Canyon, which is Jidai. And it released in August of 2001. And it was used for the theme song for Matsumoto's drama Kendachi Shonan no Jinkembo 3. And it debuted at number one on the charts. And it was named the best theme song in the 30th Television Drama Academy Awards in Japan. So that was a huge thing for, for them. And then from October to June of 2002, Arashi was given their first independent variety show called Mayonaka no Arashi. And the start of 2002 was their beginning to release under their new label called J-Storm. And J-Storm is literally just the Arashi label. <laughs> so... It started with A Day in Our Life, and it was used for the theme song for Sakurai's comedy drama, Kisarazu Cat's Eye. And it debuted, it sold well, reaching over 220,000 copies, and made a top the Oricon charts as well. Throughout the year, they released their eighth single called Nice Na Kororoki, which was used for theme songs in the anime Kochira Katsushikaku, Kame, Kame Ari Koemade. Hatsu Shoujo in April. Then the boys rounded out the summer with their second album, Here We Go, which placed second on the Oricon chart and reached gold on their so-called rankings for the Japan's Records Association. So how do you guys feel about their second album this time around? Because around this time, they kind of already know what kind of direction they head, but they're not too sure. What do you guys felt about Here We Go? Let, let's start with you, Gray. Uh, yeah, uh, I felt like this is a pretty solid uh, follow-up album overall. I, I think I like uh, Arashi Number 1 just a smidge more than I do this one. But overall, it's a pretty good follow-up, all things considered. And I, I, I like it. It's still a little early in their career, and they still haven't hit their stride. It, it, it is a little obvious in this one. But, you know, you can really see the early formations of what they're eventually going to become. And it just takes a little bit more time for them to do that. But once they hit it, you know, these guys will take off. But uh, overall, it's not a bad follow-up album and, and it's quite enjoyable. So I greatly enjoyed Here We Go. I did like it better than Arashi number one. And, I mean, there were several standout songs on there besides the singles. I thought Easy Crazy Breakdown was fun. I really enjoyed Nimuda Nai, uh, Nai Kada Kimiwa Inai Kada, Ido Asanaide. And I felt like there were a good chunk of songs. There were a lot more than I enjoyed than that on Here We Go. And I felt like they were going in a very good direction at that point. And I was actually excited to hear their next one when I was going in order. So I thought it was a great start, and I mean, I know they still don't quite have their style, but you can tell they're definitely getting to where they want to be with this album. Yeah, so this is the building blocks to what their career is going to eventually become, and 
I did enjoy this a little bit more. I mean, you got some of the tracks, like you got Tokyo's Lover Tonight, which is absolutely amazing, I believe. And then you got Kimiwa Inai Kara, which is also really, really good. You got a couple, couple of things that weren't singles in my mind, but really stand out. I really like the album building of this as a whole. And it could only get up from here, from what I was thinking. And going kind of through this, this was the first time I've actually listened to all their regular albums because for me, I um, I usually do the singles and I, I was raised on the singles, so I wasn't really an album person. So kind of going through this and kind of listening to this real time was really interesting to kind of hear their progression overall. And it was very, very interesting. So, continuing on, Odyssey ended 2002 by releasing the single Pika Nichi, which was used for the movie Pika Nichi Life, is Hard Dakado Happy, and it was the first time that the group kind of starred in a movie together, so that was very important for them. And then starting in 2003, the group decided to release two singles every year until 2007. So, and then their 10th single... Tomado Iganai Gara debuted on the Oricon chart at number two, and the group continued the trend of summer album releases with their third album, How's It Going, which released number two on the charts. So they're kind of setting a precedent of doing a summer album release during this time. So, how'd you guys feel about this particular album? Yeah, How's It Going? It's a really good third album, and you can really see. Arashi really starting to take shape uh, with this album with, you know, songs like Lucky Man and Only Love Blue. Uh, like, you know, they have a lot of songs that really, you know, really start showing their showcasing their talent and their ability to work together. And it really just, you know, it's that first little hint of what's going to happen and like the career that they're eventually going to have. So I thought How's It Going was pretty solid. It it was the first listening i think i had trouble getting into it is it was one of those i'm not sure about it but then when i went back and re-listened to it i found it very enjoyable mainly because of particular songs that i absolutely loved such as shinshosa no nai koibito only love blue palais dikiru dake 15th moon so i mean it was solid i I enjoyed it, but not as much as some of the others. But it still kept me going to wanting to hear what they're going to do next, as I felt like with Arashi, they always bring a little something new to the table with each album and make themselves better by each one, and that's what I really enjoy about them. Yeah, so I guess we're three for three on the song Blue, because that really stood out. And their song Lucky Man, I I gotta also kind of talk about, because this particular song, they always they always do during the their concerts and it's because it's a very kind of uplifting and very energetic kind of song so it's very interesting when i had first heard pika nichi now this was very interesting because i never heard the song before beforehand because i've listened to pika nichi double before before any of this and we'll get into that when we get to that particular album but Pika Nichi Double 
was very, very good. So I was like, oh, let me listen to what the predecessor was. And it might be kind of similar to that. No, it's like a really interesting rock song. <laughs> so I, I was very surprised by it. And was was something that, that took me off guard. And I, if, at first I hated it, to be perfectly honest. But after all, it kind of chipped me down and warmed me out. So continuing on, Odyssey ended the year with the release of their 11th single, Hadashi no Mirai and Kotoba Yori Daisetsu na Mono, which debuted across the charts at number two. And Kotoba Yori Daisetsu na Mono marked the first time member Sakurai contributed to the pending of the single, as many of the group's songs during that time were produced by other artists and lyrics and composers. So Sakurai, composed, who is the dedicated rapper of Adashi, has then written and incorporated all their rap lyrics into the group's releases. So that is very something very important for his career because this was the first time he has done so. 2004 marked the fifth anniversary since their debut, and it began with a bang with the release of their 12th single, Pikanichi Double, and was the theme song for their second movie, Pikanichi Life is Hard Dakara Happy, which debuted at number one at the chart, selling only over 89,000 copies, making their this their lowest-selling single to date. The Voice has also reached released their fourth album, Iza Now, which had returned them atop the charts selling over 150,000 copies on its first week. So, what did you guys think of Iza Now? Yeah, so this is the album that really the group took off for me. There's so many good songs on this album and, you know, you know, uh, Kotoba Yori Taisetsu Namono is, is one of the best ways to kick off an album period that song is so freaking good uh pikanichi double is another just fantastic song thank you for my days is really good uh i also really enjoyed rainbow i thought that was a wonderful song and dear my friend was another good one uh it's just a really really good song uh not good song good album and like i said like you can really hear the band like take off uh and start soaring now and this this album is really freaking fantastic. So Isa Now was my favorite album by them. I'm just going to say that now. It had some of the best songs on it. And like Ray said, Kotoba Yori Taitsetsu Na Mono is the best way to start off this album. And Pikinichi Double is also an absolute favorite of mine. I also really enjoyed Thank You For My Days. That's also a top one for me. We'll get into that later. And I mean, pretty much I loved every song on this album. Chaku no Mafra was also fantastic. Tochugesa. I mean, Kimirake o Omoteru. I think this is the album for me that got me to fall in love with them. And I mean, just like Head Over Heels. Arashi is fantastic. I am now even more excited to keep going through their discography. And I was, like I said, already familiar with them before, but not all their albums, just specific songs. And this album just sold me to them immediately. And I, I cannot say enough about Isa Now and how much I just adore this album. So yeah, Isa Now is a very important album for me as it has a lot of the songs that really kind of 
brought forth of what this group was going to be. And you got a cult of Bayoritai, Setsuna Mono. So this particular song was a very important song for me. It was used for the, the drama stand-up. And that drama was the first drama that I actually really like. And it's a drama that I watch to this day. There is a specific timing of when I watch it. I watch it every summer. And it's very important. It includes a lot of life lessons that is still relevant to this day. It's pretty much their rift of American Pie. So it's, it's just think of that American Pie with a Japanese flair instead. And I ended up really liking that drama. So Kotoba Yori Taisetsunamono is a very important song for me. But And Sho's rapping is always amazing in this song too. <laughs> I'm just so surprised that beforehand, you know, like I've heard of Sakurai's raps before obviously and i didn't really think about the significance of this particular song being this is the first time he's done it because i've i swear that he's done it beforehand and this is the first time he was it was part of the pending of his his name in their songs as of then but yeah no easy now is a very important album for me and it does show that this group is here to stay kind of thing because it was very uncertain for a long time, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. But yeah, let's continue on with Arashi's rounding of 2004 with their 13th single, Hitomi no Naka no Galaxy slash Hero, which is a double A side. And it was very interesting that the, all the included tracks on this began with the later H with a unique flair. Hero was the first in continued trends for Arashi as the song was being used for Nippon's Nihon Television's coverage of the Olympics, and they had bookend their fifth anniversary with their compilation album Five X Five Best Selection 2002 to 2004, which sold the top of the charts as at selling over 125,000 copies. Odyssey had also started 2005 with a bang, releasing their first DVD concert since 2003 titled Isa Now Tour from the previous year. And in March, the group released their 14th single titled Sakura Sake, which debuted on the Oricon chart, selling over 170,000 copies. However, the popularity for this single boomed by becoming the go-to song of the spring season, and it's popular to this day. They also kicked off the summer with their experimental variety show called Dino Arashi, which lasts through 2005. And this is when their variety show dominance kind of started, to be perfectly honest, because they Dino Arashi decided to do a bunch of experimental tasks that just has shows the the group in a very natural state. It's very, very funny. I've I got the collection of their entire letter no Arashi because they they started to kick off with G no Arashi and A no Arashi after this but I, I have that DVD and it's like one of the funniest things I've ever saw and then in August of 2005 they sold their fifth album titled One which also made across the top top the charts and sold over 120,000 copies during the tour for one, one of the highlights for the tour included the live performance of their first single of the year, Sakura Sake, on top of this thing called the Johnny's Moving Stage, which is a transparent stage that travels over the tops of audiences. 
It was invented by Matsumoto and since then has been used in a majority of Arashi's concerts and it allowed them to move closer to the audience who's been seated from a distance from the main stage. It's actually really good. I actually have a picture of this stage when they came to perform in Hawaii and illegally I might add (laughs) but I have taken this picture. It's very interesting how they decide to do this. So what did we think of one overall? One is a really good album. I think I do like Isanel a little bit more than I do one, but one's got some pretty solid songs on it. Nonetheless, uh, songs like Natsuno Namae, songs like Days, uh, Sakura Sake. Like just, uh, there's some really fantastic songs on this one. And uh, overall, I think it's a good follow up for Isanel. I greatly enjoyed one. It had uh, another favorite song of mine, Sakura Sake, on it. I also found a lot of the solo songs very good, such as Shou Sakura's Yumide Ikara and Ono's Rain. I also enjoyed Days, Natsuno Namae, and I mean, uh, Subara Shiki Sakai. I thought it was fantastic. So I thought it was a, a good follow-up album to Isanau, but still not as great as Isanau. It it was in that instance for me. I enjoyed it, but it didn't hit where I was hoping it would hit for me. But still, nonetheless, some fantastic songs on it. Yeah, so one was very interesting. This is also kind of marks the first time that a lot of solo songs from the from the boys started to show up in this too. And it kind of shows their their chops as a solo artist. It's very interesting that they decided to do this. I love a lot of the songs on here. Like you did say, Gray, you got Natsuno Namai, you got Days, you got Sakura Sake that just really show up kind of thing. I also want to give hints to the song Romance, which is really good. And Yes, No is also really, really good. And I've ended up really liking a lot of it of this album overall and it is a good follow-up to either now to be perfectly honest but yeah actually ended 2005 with the ever popular single wish which was used for the theme song for the popular love drama hana yori dango which as i stated earlier matsumoto also starred in and it dominated the chart selling over 300,000 copies at the end of its charts run making the, it the first single since a day in our life in 2002 to have done so 2006 was also a very big year for the group as they released their 16th single Kito Daijobu in May and their 6th album Arashik in July this album for the group was the first foray into the greater Asia market having it not only be released in Japan, but released in Hong Kong, South Korea, Taiwan, and Thailand. The album was very successful in Korea as the first 10,000 copies of the album were sold out on its first day and even topped the non-Korean sales charts in its third week of July. Amidst the summer concert, Adashik, Adashik, Asterik, Cool, and Seoul, the groups embarked publicly on a tour around Asia called the Jet Storm Tour at the end of July. So this is where their Asia market dominance started coming in and started to make waves. So how did you guys feel about Adashi? 
Yeah, uh, this is a fun album. I thought it was a lot of fun to listen to. Songs like Runaway Train, Ready to Fly, Silver Ring, and Love Paradise. Like it, It's a really good album overall, and... Uh, you can really tell from this album, like they they've they've already hit their stride and they're they're just getting ready to blow up. Uh, I mean they I mean this album was huge in a big way, and if you listen to it, it it definitely uh, shows. Uh, this is a really good album. I thoroughly enjoyed it, and it's it's one of my. We'll we'll, we'll talk about more later, but th- this we're really starting to really increase like the quality of their albums in my opinion from here forward i thought arashik was good it at this point out of all the ones it was it wasn't my favorite but i loved wish because i love hanayori dango i thought kito daijobu was great caramel song i want somebody tabidachi no asa carnival night part two and i mean those were the ones that stood out to me and I feel like I do need to go back and give it another listen. I I just felt like after one and ease and now, this one just didn't quite hit for me besides some of the main, main singles. But in general, I thought it was still a very solid album. No, I feel the same way as you, Luna, to be perfectly honest. Besides some of the major singles that were featured on this album... You can see that they did hit their stride, but a lot of the other songs on this album wasn't really kind of reaching out to me. I mean, you two got like a song like Secret Eyes I, and things like that, but there that's few and far between between the over arc of the album, I, I believe. But it is where they decided to hit their stride, and they're kind of going full speed ahead from here on out. But with that, during this time, the boys released their 17th album titled Azura Petals in August, and it was composed by Shikao Suga and was used for Sakurai's movie Honey and Clover, which was very interesting. The group then visited Taiwan, Thailand, and South Korea, countries which will eventually be a part of their 2006 Asia tour. And they held a press conference in September to promote their Arashika album. And they actually were announcing that they were doing their first concerts in Taipei at Taipei Arena. And the group kind of represented Japan overall in the third annual Asia Song Festival contest in Korea in September. And two months later, they became the first group in Johnny's to perform individual concerts in South Korea. It's just very interesting to kind of think about this because usually when we think of Korea, we think of the opposite happening where K-pop stars come to Japan. So it was very interesting that they were one of the first groups to do that the opposite way. And then according to the newspaper Korea Times, the concerts in Korea was decided because about 1,500 or so Korean fans gathered at Incheon International Airport during their Jetstorm tour. And Arashi decided to be prove very popular with the Korean fans with their concert tickets selling out with almost an hour. So their international fame decided to grow even more after this with Nino Mia's role in the Academy Award-winning films Letters of Iwo Jima. And before I kind of continue on with this, did you guys watch this film? Yes, I own it. And every time I watch it, I freaking cry my eyes out. 
I'm, I'm not really into war movies, so I've never seen it. Sorry. So, no, 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 it's fine, because I'm not a war movie kind of guy, and this was a very, it's a very grim and very dark movie, let's just yep. say this much, but it, it, it was very interesting to see that, because during this time, you don't see much Japanese actors taking that head spin of the Hollywood roles, so to speak, right, Luna? Yes, you don't. It's very rare, and I like what Clint Eastwood did with this because this pairs with Flags of Our Fathers, mm. and so you see both sides of it, and I like that he did Letters letters from Iwo Jima because it shows the Japanese side of it, and you get a perspective from that, and not only did Nino Mia star in it, but Watanabe Ken, I feel like this was a big break for him too. Yeah, so, I mean... Before we kind of go off the rails with this, for me, I've only known this movie. I didn't really knew of Flag of Our Fathers. Like I, I, I thought it was a. I didn't even watch the movie. That it shows how strong this particular movie on its own is, and it kind of shows how successful and how very interesting how the international market took to this. But yeah, let's continue back. But you know, with this role in the film Nino Mia is the first artist of Johnny's and an association to debut in a film in Hollywood so that was really really good for them and then on October their f fame grew even larger with the start of their very popular variety show titled Arashi no Shukudai-kun which is the so-called successor of their Dino Arashi variety show as they perform various experiments what was very interesting for this one is during the end of the year they have a bunch of experiments which they try to do all together like they try to grow a watermelon or not a watermelon a regular melon into different pots to see if the melon would take shape inside the pots like really really interesting things that i never thought to have done like for example, they decided to do a a hot air balloon, but it's instead of the usual plastic that they use for hot air balloons, they decided to make a big hot air balloon just made out of newspapers, which was really funny because the the day they decided to do the experiment, it rained, <laughs> so they couldn't even get it off the ground. The show lasted until 2010, and it was a very interesting variety show, to say the least. In February of 2007, the group debuted what is known to be their most popular song to date, and is Love So Sweet. This was used for the theme song for the highly anticipated sequel, Hanayori Dango 2, and peaked upon both the daily and weekly charts for the Oricon, and was the first single to sell over 200,000 copies for Odyssey for over five years. In April, they performed one of their largest concerts called Odyssey Around Asia in Dome, and they're a continuation of their triumphal homecoming concert held in January. This was aimed to celebrate the successful Asia tour that they did throughout the year. And then in May, their continued successes culminated in the release of their 19th single we can make it which had everything that was really good about it it also made it on top of the charts from that too and this all culminated with their summer release of their seventh album time 
the album sold over 190,000 copies in its first week. It not only extended the group string of number one releases, but it also propelled the album to reach platinum status by the Record Association of Japan, which is their first to do so. So how did we think of Time overall? Because I thought it was a very interesting album, but... Yeah, Time wound up being one of my favorite albums. I, I would honestly maybe place this as my second favorite album overall. Uh, it's just a lovely album. I like songs like Love So Sweet, which we'll, we'll talk about later is, is, you know, fantastic. But Oh Yeah is a great song just to lead off the album with. And then you have great songs like Taiyo no Sekai, which is a really fun song. I mean... It's like this whole album is fantastic. Uh, another standout for me was Kaze. I really love that song. It's a great it's a great song that features shows rapping skills. And it, it's just overall, it's it is just a lovely album. I will say another song that I find uh, kind of near and dear to my heart for a stupid reason is the last song on the album is called Everybody Zenshin. And and it's it's so close to everybody Henshin. I, I just like I think a common writer, even though I know that's like not even remotely close to being the same thing. But I'll slap you. <laughs> <laughs> it's well earned, I promise. <laughs> but uh, yes, it, it, it's a really good album, and uh, one of my this is one of my absolute favorite albums that they they put out. So this is probably my second favorite album in general. I love time, and the main reason I think I loved it is they really reminded me of the 90s, 2000s pop boy bands that I loved, or the boy groups, and especially songs like Firefly, it just gave me that Backstreet Boy vibe, I'm just going to be honest right there, and also Love So Sweet because it is my all-time favorite song for many reasons, and I can always talk about that later, but I have a couple reasons why I love that track, and it is related to Haniyori Dango and mainly in college because that's what exposed me to Arashi. And I mean, there are other great songs in the album. Taiyo no Sekai, We Can Make It is fantastic and such an upbeat song. I love it. Kaze, Be With You, Life, Aozaro, Aozora Peruru. I mean, this whole album was great. I loved it. And it was just a fun, very, I guess I'm just going to say nostalgia 90s album that threw back to like the american pop at the time so i really enjoyed it yeah i mean for me uh, this this was an amazing album i i wouldn't rank it as my number two album like how you guys are doing but it's a very solid album overall you have two of the most highly anticipated songs for it on this one album which kind of propelled it even more so i would think but Overall, I thought it was a very solid album and showed their chops after all this. But yeah, with that, in September, the group closed the year with their third single in 2007 titled Happy Niche, which was used as the theme song for the drama Yamataro Monogakari that both Sakura and Ninomiya starred in. So this year in 2007 was their best year to date as all their singles ranked within the top 30 of the annual Oricon charts with Love So Seat ranking number 4 and becoming the first single to rank in the top 10 of the annual charts. That momentum did not stop there as they released their 21st single Step and Go which debuted on top of the charts and sold over 320,000 thousand copies making this the first single to s exceed over 300,000 since 
their double A-side Sunrise Nippon slash Horizon back in 2000. In the same month, it was announced that the group will be doing a concert tour in the five major domes in Tokyo, Nagoya, Osaka, Fukuoka, and Sapporo. The tour had a unique twist because this was very interesting because this was the third group within Johnny's Jima Show or Johnny's Association to have done a tour like this where they reached across all five domes. And the first being Smap and Kiki Kids. In April, they had a double hit of variety shows titled Himitsu no Arashi-chan and VS Arashi-chan. Himitsu no Arashi-chan focused on guests as their main topic and was unique of a show at that time. And unfortunately ended in 2013. Now, for me, Himitsu no Arashi-chan was my shit. No, was my thing. Because I would watch it every week. It was very difficult to do so, but I watched it every week. And a lot of people were very impressed that I kept up with it. And I was very, very sad when it ended in 2013. <laughs> so Via Sadashi was also very interesting in its own way because it's a physical game show, which is kind of like Guts and like Daily Double and things like that, which them, along with another team, perform various games for a chance of big prizes and things like that. And it's one of the only shows that we'll be talking about that is currently still airing. It's very interesting with this because we got to see a lot of their physical comedy and a lot of physical things that they're able to do. One of the the games is is bowling, but with a unique twist where they have to throw the bowling ball up this ramp and the ramp concedes down to the actual like pins dropping. There's like a hundred pins in it and it makes like a star. So it's very interesting to watch that game. I would highly recommend it if you guys are able to. And I always looked forward to it watching this. So their tour concluded with the the release of their eighth album, Dream A Live. And it sold over 300,000 copies, making this their third best-selling album in their career. Ironically, it was a hit for male buyers by Oricon, despite the fact their most of their releases by Johnny's artists being geared towards female and young adults so what do we think of of dream alive and do you think that it was that popular that all the boys would want to get it (laughs) i mean i would run out and buy it i i think it's a fantastic album i really wound up enjoying it you know you have songs like move your body which is just you know a lot of fun uh happiness is a wonderful song Uh, niji no kanata a is a fantastic song uh, Cyrus is a great song. Like this whole album is chock full of fantastic songs that I, I think really appeal to people of all ages. I mean, you could gear your content to girls, I guess, but you know, it does not necessarily mean like, you know, the, the female audience is going to find it. And sometimes, you know, things geared for certain genders will, will find the opposite. will find be big with the opposite gender as well. So, you know, it, it's it's always a mixed bag when they kind of do this thing, but I, I loved this album. I thought it was great and fantastic. And, and you know, if it's wrong to like, you know, five five boys with amazing voices, then I, I'll, I'll remain wrong the rest of my life. It's fine with me. Dream Alive was okay for me. I, it, I love time, and I think because I enjoyed time so much, it was hard to follow that one up. I did think Move Your Body, Happiness, My Answer, Step and Go were fantastic. And I love those ones. A lot of the other ones I, I was a little indifferent on. I mean, I thought it was 
pretty decent album and I, I do feel like I need to give it another chance. I can I do see why it was geared a little bit more toward a male art audience I think just because of the style of some of the tracks but I think really it is for any gender I think anyone can enjoy it and find a lot of the songs in there you know the someone will find any song in there that they like I mean it's not hard to find one no that's for darn sure I mean for me step and go is probably one of my favorite songs I would assume that you would have loved it as well Gray, because of the rap that kind of he does that show does in this particular track is very very interesting yeah i mean i like shows rap but step and go i i like the song but there's other songs on the album i liked a bit more than step and go yeah yeah no i mean it's yeah 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 i mean for me they play that song all the time on their concerts it's their their return from break song so to speak and one of the very interesting things was if you watch one of their dome tour stuff, it's like I've, I've watched like a handful of times, their Tokyo one, their Tokyo dome one was very interesting because so after the, the break, they re- appeared on the other side of the, the dome and they had the stairs where they just elevated going down. So they sung this and happiness back to back. And it's those two songs usually kind of paired together very well in their when they're doing their track listings for concerts so it's very interesting to kind of see both and i liked happiness happiness is a very very good live concert song because show kind of starts say everybody say and then all the audience say yeah 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 it's it's a very energetic and it kind of gears the audience a little bit more to to kind of be pumped up and be anticipating the song and it's just like the most fun song that they ever have so but yeah amidst the tour that they did have during this time odyssey released their 22nd single titled one love and it was the theme song for hanayori dango final movies and it was a goodbye for them because we we don't see any other hanayori dangos as of right now like the single prior it sold very well it sold over 300,000 copies in its first week and in a month after, in August, the boys released their 23rd single titled Truth Slash Kaizeo Mukai-e. The former was used for Ono's thriller drama Mao, which is really, really good. I really like that. And the latter was used during the opening ceremonies for the Olympics. The single sold an estimated, cop, uh, an estimated amount of over 460,000 copies in its first week, overtaking Johnny's fellow boy group cartoons first week of sales for their seventh single don't you ever stop of 380,000 copies making this the biggest first week in sales for a single in japan for 2008 they booked in the year with their their single beautiful days which was used for nino mia's drama yusei no kizuna selling over 350,000 copies beautiful days ended up becoming the group 13th consecutive number one release in 2009, Arashi released two WA side singles titled Believe slash Kuromo Nochi Kaisei and Ashita no Kyoku slash Crazy Moon Kimiwa Muteki on March and May, respectively. 
Both singles sold over 500,000 copies in its first week of sales, making Odyssey the first artist to have two consecutive singles sell over 500,000 copies within its first week in seven years and seven months since artist Keisuke Kawada. And then the end of June, Odyssey announced that they will be having their 10th anniversary tour titled Odyssey Anniversary 5XN, which included three consecutive shows at the National Olympic Stadium in Tokyo. This is the old Olympic Stadium in Tokyo. This became They became the first artist to have done three consecutive days of performances at that location. Their third single of the year, Everything, was released in July and sold over... 342,000 copies in its first week and in August they released their greatest hit album All the Best 2000 or 1999 to 2009 which featured most of their singles since they debuted and a new song with lyrics written by the members themselves a limited edition third disc can see contains 10 tracks of the group's best of so their personal choices of their discography the album sold over 753,000 copies in its first week, and 13 days after the release, it broke 1 million, ma- making it the first in Odyssey history. They were also the first album in 2009 to break 1 million. So, because technically this is a compilation album, I kind of wanted to talk about the songs. How did, did you guys like the songs that were featured on this? So, yeah, Beautiful Days, you got Believe. You got Ashino Kyoko Crazy Moon. Is there any songs from there that you guys kind of wanted to bring out first, or not? Not particularly. I mean, it was a good uh, lineup and stuff like that. Uh, you know, a lot of the songs on there uh, that you know were singles, but not previously released on an album. You know, th- they're all pretty good overall. It's, it's really hard to pick one out and, and and spotlight it. I think Beautiful Days was the best of those, but overall, they're pretty good. I mean, I, I I do agree with Gray. I think Beautiful Days was the best of them, but I also really enjoyed Believe and Ashita no Kyoku. But, I mean, in general, it was a great lineup for the track listings, and it's a good way to dive into Arashi and get the best of all their tracks. Yeah, that's for darn sure. I mean, Truth, you got that. I mean, I, I really like Truth. I like the dance choreography for Truth, personally. And you got Beautiful Days which is a another great song. The drama, you say no, Kizuna is actually a really great drama. I have the book, and I've read the book, and it's an amazing book. Actually, I would figure that you would actually really like this drama, Luna, because Mika Nakashima is also in this drama. <laughs> you should just send me a list of dramas I need to watch, because uh, I I would like to see this one. Oh, no, this drama is fantastic. I mean, it's just, it stars Nino Mia. It has Toda Erika also. And it also has, I'm, I'm blanking on his name, Ryu Nidoshida, Nishido, oh, yeah, I, I believe, the, the yeah. guy that just left Kanjani. Yep. And Mika Nakashima, all star in this particular drama. It's it's amazing. That's I a top pers- top list of actor actors and actresses, which is amazing for a drama. So. It's very interesting because the three of them, the the top three billing for for this particular drama, so you have Nino, Toda Erika, and um, Ryo, they're really tight because of this particular drama to the point that whenever Toda Erika shows up on VS No Arashi, she calls Nino Oni 
like how she does in the drama. She's done that several years now, and I've I've actually really liked that. Oh, even though they grew on past their this point in their careers, they they still talk about it kind of thing. And it's very important for them to do so. So I'm kind of happy for that. But yeah, Odyssey capped off the year with the release of their 28th single, My Girl, in November and debuted on top of the charts, singling over 430,000 copies in its first week. With this dominance, it was reported that Odyssey monopolized the top four best first week sales for singles of 2009. The group also attended the 60th NHK Kohaka Utagaksen, making them not only the group's first time performing on the show, but the first time in over 21 years that another Johnny's group has performed in it, with the first being SMAP and Tokyo. Arashi then started off the year with a bang by being a part of a drama called Saigo no Yakusoku, which is the first drama that featured Arashi in over 10 years. Then in the 24th Japan Golden Disc Awards, Arashi was awarded Artist of the Year along with nine other awards in various categories, becoming the first artist to win 10 awards at one year. They also continued their Olympic tradition by presenting the song for Nihon Television's coverage of the 2010 Olympics with the song Yurase Ima O, which is the B-side for their single Troublemaker, which was released in March. In April, the quote-unquote successor for Arashi no Shukudai-kun, Arashi no Shirage, started airing. And taking a hint from Himitsu no Arashi-chan, this show put a focus more on guests in their variety shows and highlights a lot of what they do. And is one of the other shows that are still continuing airing. Starting in May, the group cons- released four singles in four consecutive months, starting with Monster, which was used as Ono's drama Kaibutsukun. The single debuted on top of the charts, selling over 540,000 copies in its first week, making Arashi the first act to have 30 consecutive singles to rank in the Oricon's top three since their debut. Arashi also continued their solo album releases with the release of Boku no Miteiru Fukei, and sold over 730,000 copies in its first week. It's also sold over a million copies in October, making this the first album to do so. It also maintained their number one spot for the following week, making this the only album to have done so as well. So, what did we think about Boku no Miteiru Fukei? This is an awesome album it is certainly one of the higher highlights of their career it's pretty obvious just from the album itself there's so many great songs first off uh moving on is a great way to start the album i absolutely love that song going down to troublemaker is a wonderful song along with taboo is a fun song and gift is just a lovely song there's a lot of great songs on here and it it's their longest album runtime wise it's their longest album and there's a lot of really good stuff to mine out of this particular one you know you get down near the bottom you got stuff like monsters a fantastic song uh, jizuka na yorunai is a wonderful song so there's just a ton of songs on here as a whole and i mean for 
I mean, there's 20 tracks on here anyway. So, you know, as far as like, like sheer volume, like it's a, it's really freaking good as far as like quality and just like the consistency and quality of the songs that are on here is pretty fantastic. So I, I agree. Agree. This album is fantastic. And thinking about it, I would tie this with time for my number second favorite album. I mean, I loved almost every track. Troublemaker is definitely a favorite for me. Super catchy, fun song. Gift is one of the most beautiful ballads. I just adore the opening. It is gorgeous. And there's some great songs that were done by the members individually that were fantastic on this. And I love Nino Mia's one on here. And Ono, oh I mean, I loved all the individual member songs on this album. I thought it was well done. Um, Mada Ue O, Moving On, Circus. I I just can't recommend this album enough. I just thought it was solid. And you can see where this is just Boku no Miteiru Fuke is a well-rounded album in general. And it's a great point in their career to you just see how far they've come and what they've done. And that's you just get this full round sound. Yeah, for me, I mean, this this was honestly at its stride. They were showing what they were doing, and a lot of the songs really show that. You got everything. Everything is one of my personal favorites. You got Monster, which is also really, really good. You got Soda Takaku, which is personally one of my favorites as well. And it was part of the Saigono Yatsoku. You got Moving On, which, like you said, Gray, is a... A great, a great way to start the album, to be perfectly honest. And you got Troublemaker as well, which is really a one-two punch, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a really solid album and one of my favorites, to be perfectly honest. But what's very interesting about this, strangely enough, their 31st single, To Be Free, wasn't included on that album, even though it was released in July the month beforehand. Regardless, it's crushed the charts selling over 420,000 copies in its first week, making it on top the charts once again. It also became the group's 20th consecutive number one single on top the chart. Together with leader Ono's solo single, Yukai Sukai Kaibutsuku, which was also released on the same day as To Be Free, Odyssey and Ono accomplished a very rare feat for for a group and solo artists of that same group to simultaneously take the top two spots for the first time in nearly 10 years. So that's something to think about. Their 32nd single, Love Rainbow, released in September and continu continued the number one trend and was used for Matsumoto's drama, Natsu no Koi wa Nijiro ni Kagayaku. The single was also the third single in 2010 to surpass over 500,000 copies in its first week. This trend also continued with their fourth single in 2010 with Dear Snow, which was used for Nino Mia's film Oku no Inner Chambers. Nino Mia's influence doesn't stop there as well. In November, their 34th single, Hatanai Soda was used for their television drama Friter no Ie no Kao, which sold atop the charts once again by selling 570,000 copies. It also became the 30th consecutive number one single in the year, making them the first 
male artist to achieve six number one singles in that year. Odyssey also rounded out this year by co-hosting the 61st Kohaku Uta Gakusen when actress now Matsushita becoming the first group to host the show. That's not all. During the Japan's 25th Golden Disc Awards, Odyssey was awarded Artist of the Year once again for the second year of the row. Then released in January of 2011, their DVD Arashi 2010 tour scene Kimito Boku no Miteiru Fukei Stadium sold 618,000 copies within its first week, making this the first music DVD in Oricon history to sell over 600,000 copies within its first week. The DVD sold another 59,000 copies, bringing the total estimate to 670,000 copies sold, and pushed the group's overall DVD sales to 4 million copies. As a result, Arashi became the first artist in Oricon history to sell over 4 million DVDs. Then, Arashi will release their next upcoming single, Lotus, which would be adapted to become the theme song for Aiba's blockbuster drama Bartender. Then in July of 2011, Odyssey released their 10th album, Beautiful World, and then started their nationwide tour later on in the year. According to Matsumoto, the title was chosen to reflect on Odyssey's thoughts of the future of Japan after the devastating results of the 2011 Tohoku earthquake. Their nationwide tour was held at four of the five major domes and the National Olympic Stadium, making it the group's fourth consecutive year to perform at the stadium. Then their DVD, the Dome Plus DVD for this tour, sold 539,000 copies in its first week, pushing their all-time DVD sales to 5.2 million, making them the first artist to sell over 5 million DVDs. So this year... This year and last year, in 2010 and 2011, was their biggest year overall. So what did you guys think of Beautiful World and just how dominating they ended up becoming after this? I mean, it's easy to see why when you go back and you listen to the albums and you listen to their work, how they could become the dominating force that they ultimately wound up becoming. Just, you know, the sheer quality of their work just speaks for itself anytime like you listen to you know where whether it's beautiful world or the the previous album like you know they really just you know they really stand above the rest you know they're the cream of the crop especially when it comes to boy bands and you know that in a lot of ways they've set the standard over the years you know you have a lot of people trying to emulate them and trying to be just like them uh, with varying degrees of success and uh, Beautiful World is n- no exception. It's a wonderful album. Uh, one of my absolute standout albums overall. Uh, some of the songs that I really liked on it was Love Rainbow is a great song. Always is a wonderful song. Nagai wound up being very close to being my top five. I absolutely love that song along with uh, Kono Mama Moto which is a wonderful show song. If you have not had a chance to check that thing out, do so because it is just fantastic. He is killing it in that song. So overall, Beautiful World, I think is a great follow-up from their previous album. And uh, I mean, it just shows what a beautiful world it is. So I think at this point, Arashi has 
showed what they can do and especially with Boku no Miteiru Fuke I mean that album was fantastic and their previous albums all of them I mean from Arashi number one until Beautiful World they've worked so hard to get where they are and they have put so much effort and time and everything into what they do they love their fans they love you could tell they enjoy doing all the music they do the dramas and I feel like that is a big part of them growing as much as they did and you know winning the artist of the year and being host of the Kohaku Utagasen I feel like a lot of this is a it just all leads up to where they are now and just seeing everything they've done and I think Beautiful World is a very good album I mean Love Rainbow is definitely one of my favorite songs Madaminu Sekae Nichi no Kakera no Rain no Rainbow Dear Snow despite the very dark lyrics it is a beautiful track uh, Lotus is also one of my favorites. To Be Free, Morning Light, Hatanai Soda. I mean, Beautiful World is a fantastic album. And I mean, I I like Boku no Mite Iru Fuke better. However, just everything leading up to it has been quality. And they have, like I said, put so much into what they do. And I feel like that is why they've been so successful and have been able to reach so many fans is is they've grown with the fans and they've they've not only just grown but evolved into who they are and they are constantly doing that yeah no i mean this is probably one of my favorite ones as well i mean you got this you got the one two punch of the back two years of a beautiful world and Boku no Miteiru Fukai. It's just absolutely fantastic. And both of these albums I bought, and it's one of the rare albums that I bought physically from them. You know, I'm, I am a huge fan of them, don't get me wrong, but physically, like, the albums are a hard buy for me. And these two albums was an instant buy in my point of view. And you, you got songs like Lotus, To Be Free, Hatanai Soda. Dear Snow, you got Joy as well. You got I liked Nino's solo song, the Doku ni Demo Aru Uta, which is really, really good in my opinion. Then you got Love Rainbow and Always. Always is a really good tr- song as well. But this this album was a very solid album overall. And yeah, I enjoyed my time re-listening to it personally. But yeah. In November, the group released their 36th single, Make You Love Song. And this was the ending theme song for Sakurai's drama, Nazo Tokiwa Dinner no Auto Day. And the single chopped the charts once again, selling over 530,000 copies in its first week. Then in December of 2011, they topped the four categories in 2011's Orca Nearly Rankings, with Beautiful World selling a total of over 900,000 copies, making it the top-selling album of Japan in 2011. This also marks the third consecutive year that Arashi topped the Orica nearly charts, this uh, being the first artist to do so in 20 years. This year's rankings also mark the third consecutive year that Arashi has topped the DVD music charts as well, with both the Dome Plus and the Stadium 
versions of Kimitoboku no Miteiru Fukai selling just phenomenally. It sold over 600,000 and close to 800,000 for both. However, they were the second artist overall, second place artist overall in total sales revenue in 2011, selling over 15.3 billion and for this year. Guess who was number one? <laughs> it was the rising stars of AKB48 that took number one. And this was a very interesting time because they dueled back and forth. There were both Johnny's and Akimoto at this time respected each other of the business and never pitted their singles against each other. It was very rare for them to have done so, but they usually gave the respect for for the fans to not choose of which week i've always wanted to see it because i've it was very interesting during that time to see how dominating akb was at that time but it is a very interesting feat that they got bested by by akb of all people odyssey did lay low for the the year until march of 2012 with the release of wild at heart which was used for the theme song for matsumoto's drama lucky seven and sold over 550,000 copies. This single debuted once again on, at number one, making this their 26th consecutive number one single. So in March, they had a press conference saying that this, their next upcoming single, Face Down, was going to be for Ono's drama Kagi no Kakete Heya, which will be released in, in late April. And then in June, they released their 39th single, your Eyes, which was used for Aiba's drama Mikeneka Holmes no Shuri, and not since Dear Snow and Hatanai Soda in 2010 had two singles been released within a month of each other. So Face Down and Your Eyes sold a total of over 526,000 copies and 478,000 copies in its first week, respectively. Their album Popcorn was released in October. And sold over 750,000 copies. The album was certified triple platinum in their Japan's record labels. And Odyssey was once again chosen to become the host for the 63rd NHK Kohaka Uta Gakusen for the third consecutive year with actress Maki Horikita. So what did you guys think of Popcorn? This was a very polarizing album for me. I wound up liking it overall. I don't think it's as good as the previous albums that we've talked about. And it does take a little while for the album to pick up personally. Like it's not until you get down to like face down, which is when I really start enjoying the album. But once you get to face down, it, it kind of picks up a little bit. I love face down. We, we want a funk. We need a funk is a fantastic song. I, I love that song a lot. Two's really good. Uh, waiting for you's really good. Raku in was really, really close to making it in my top five overall. Just a, a wonderful song, and I mean, it, it does pick up eventually, and I, I do think it drops off a smidge at the end. But uh, overall, I, I think this is a a pretty solid album. I, I wound up enjoying my time with it for the most part, and I really liked it. For me, Popcorn did have one of my favorite songs on it, which is Make You Love Song. And there were other ones I enjoyed as well, such as Akashi, Up To You, Waiting For You. I loved Ono's song too. 
But all in all, like popcorn was very hit or miss in the tracks for me. I feel like it grew on me over time, but it was not my favorite album, despite having some fantastic solid tracks on it. But I do feel like the ones that weren't singles, some of them were very hit or miss on it for me. So, I mean, for me, popcorn was very difficult for me because during this time I was getting ready to go for do Japan and this was it was very difficult to get a hold of Arashi's stuff at that time because being there was <laughs> being there was uh very interesting but this particular album it did start the trend of for me anyway that Arashi wasn't given a hundred percent I don't mean to mean ill well towards their work up after this as well but for me it's very interesting to kind of listen to these albums after that. I mean, you got Wild at Heart and you got Face Down, which is really good. You got Make You Love Song, which is also really good. Probably the only other song for me on this album that I gave note was Waiting for You. And Ono's Ono solo song too as well. But besides that, I mean, it didn't really stick with me, so to speak. But, I mean, for like for me... Arashi was always a, a heavy singles contender and not an album contender for me. So it was very difficult to kind of judge the, the album on a whole because of that. But it, it just never stuck with me. And I, I, I can't, I don't, I, I can't, I just can't. Plus the, the limited edition for this had them wearing giant popcorns and that scared the bejesus out of me. <laughs> to be perfectly honest. That's funny. That is hilarious. <laughs> Oh, they they have like like giant popcorn like they have like the hat and everything it's like the things you like see at a gag store kind of thing and it's just like yeah, I, I was just like I can't take this seriously <laughs> but yeah continue on January of 2013 Odyssey announced their 40th single called Calling slash Breathless and would be released on March 6 their double A side featured the theme songs for Iba's drama Fuji or Iba's Fuji drama Last Hope and Nino's feature film Platnia Delta which is really good supposedly from hearing from my Nino obsessed fan friend there so after the release it was soon announced by Oricon that the single sold a record number of over 750,000 copies within its first week the sales marks their 40th 40th single in most successful in terms of first week sales and went on to sell over 830,000 copies. Ashi also announced their 41st single, Endless Game, on April 9th during the con- press conference for the drama Kazuku Game, which in attendance by the start of the aforementioned member, Sho, who actually starred in this and it was really good. I, I personally really, really love this drama. It's probably one of my favorites as well. The single was announced for it, to release in May, and in October, they released their 12th studio album titled Love, which sold over 670,000 copies in its first week. What's very interesting is that the their lead, main track for this album, called Paradox, had the members traveling to New York to learn choreography for this song, and it was choreographed by Jacqueline Knight who's very famous in the industry as well they also hosted the 64th NHK Kohaku Utagaksen on New Year's Eve making them their fourth consecutive year 
hosting the thing with actress Haruka Ayase. All in all, 2013 was a very successful year for the group by having them reach number one artists in total sales revenue in Japan by selling 14.1 billion in. So, what did we think of Love? Love wound up being my absolute favorite album as a whole, which, which is interesting. Like, I will admit, it takes a little bit for this album to get going. It's not until it hit the floor that this thing really picks up. But once it picks up, for me, it kind of goes into overdrive. Songs like Hit the Floor is fantastic. Paradox is really good. Sugar and Salt's really good. Pretty much the whole album, like, I just kept writing down for, like, songs that I like. Another standout, and this song really, really was, like, it's probably number six, is uh, the song Starlight Kiss. That song is fat, funky, fresh, and I love every second of it. It's so good. And funky, which is also fat, funky, fresh. Uh, I like I like my funky songs. And so uh, those are like two really huge standouts. And it, it even the last song on the album, Tears, is really, really good. And it goes out on a really high note. So for me personally, this wound up being my number one album overall. Even if I'm not the biggest fan of the first couple of songs, it it picks up. And when it picks up, it really got good for me. And I wound up loving the bulk of this album. So for me, I found Love an okay album. I mean, like Ken kind of talked about before, Popcorn is kind of one. They, they started, I mean, they're still good, but you feel like they're not completely giving it their all. And I kind of do see that. I, I enjoy Love a little bit more than I did Popcorn or about Equal. But there were several standout songs on Love that I greatly enjoyed. Tears came very close to making my top five as it is a absolutely gorgeous ballad. I thought Starlight Kiss was a solid song. I also love Calling because that's also that is a one of my runner-ups that almost came close to my top five. And I thought Shou Sakurai's solo song, Sugar and Salt, was fantastic. I love his rap. Breathless was good. Aino Utao, I thought, was a great way to start off the album. And I, I enjoyed Sayonara no Atode. But for me, I just, I did feel like I had to struggle and listen to it a few more times. It's not like it's a bad album. It's just not my favorite by them. And I feel like their style did change a little bit. And it, I do feel like they begin to start missing a little bit of something from Popcorn and on. Not saying it's not enjoyable, because I, I, I did like a lot of the songs, but it still wasn't near my favorite. No, I mean, I kind of understand from both of your guys' points. Like, for me, like what you said, Gray, Hit the Floor is technically when this album starts for me. <laughs> uh, oh no, what he does in this song is really, really good. And it's his solo song. Paradox is also really good. Endless game you got there. You got calling as well, which is really good. Rock, rock tonight is also fairly good, and you do have the triple punches of Starlight Kiss, Funky, and Tears. Really solid overall, and I thought it was all right. It's better than Popcorn in my point personally, but it wasn't reaching that heights that Beautiful World did. Even though I did like a lot of the songs on it, it wasn't reaching the heights in this. It, personally but yeah continuing on for 2014 in february they released their 
42nd single titled Bittersweet and was used as the theme song for Matsumoto's drama Sitsuden Chocolata. And the B-side, Road to Glory, was used for the theme song for Nippon Television's coverage of the 2014 Winter Olympics. And the 7th best single overall in the year by selling over 590,000 copies. And then in April, they released their new single titled Guts, which is used as the theme song for Nino's drama Yowakutemo Katematsu. And it was the sixth, sixth best-selling single overall in Japan during that year, with this selling over 604,000 copies. This pushed the group's all-time sales singles to over 20 million, to, and, which is absolutely amazing. And with that achievement, this made them the fifth male artist to have done so after B's Mr. Children's Smap and Glay, all artists that we have talked about previously. Following that, they released their 44th single, Dare Mo Shidanai, in May. And this was used for the drama Shinigami-kun that also starred Ono. The single became the 12th best single overall in Japan with... 525,000 copies sold. And to celebrate their 15th year anniversary, they held concerts in Honolulu, Hawaii on September 19th and 20th and was called Odyssey Blast in Hawaii. And throughout the year, they kind of was going on this. They also had this event called Odyssey no Waku Waku Gakko and 2014 Deepening the Bonds of Friendships. And this event had a bunch of live viewings in Shanghai and Singapore. And this was very interesting because this was a quote-unquote school event that you can go and learn newer things by each of the members. And they were kind of taking their Arashi no Shukurai-kuns and all the variety show stuff into things. It's basically you're in a classroom with 500 people and being taught by one of the members. So it's very interesting that they did that. And they announced during this time that they would be releasing a brand new album in the fall and be holding a five dome tour with 18 performances altogether. This album or this tour was very, very like popular and very big because it had over 840,000 fans in attendance. And this made this their largest tome tour to date. And to celebrate the anniversary, all five members starred in a spin-off movie of the Pikinichi series once again, which is the 10 years after the previous release. This time it was called Pikinichi Life is Hard, Tabun Happy, which is short for Pikinichi Half in Japanese if you were to say it like that. This marks the, the first time in seven years that all members starred in a movie together since Kuroki Nabida in 2007. They also released their latest album, Digitalian, in October of 2014. The album sold over 660,000 copies in its first week and became the third best-selling album in Japan of 2014. Once again, Arashi hosted the 65th annual NHK Kohaka Utagakusen on New Year's Eve and was the fifth consecutive year for that with actress Yuriko Yoshitaka. Ashi ended their 15th year anniversary once again by being awarded the highest 
sold total revenue in Japan in 2014 with 13.8 billion and sold. So before we kind of go into the albums, I kind of wanted to talk about the live tour. So this was very important for me because, well, first I was broke because I just came back from Japan. <laughs> so that was one thing. And seeing them live was something that I've always wanted to do. And for you to see them live, you had to be a part of their fan club in Japan. So there was no way that a, a, a simple common person would be able to get a ticket. However, they did it differently in Japan. This was a very interesting concert to go to. Personally, I loved it because the the female to male ratio for this this entire live concert was like, I want to say 15,000 to one. <laughs> so I was just in heaven, personally. Nice. But, <laughs> I mean, this was a very fun tour to go to. And you got you got these like little folding chairs that you get to take home. And it said Arashi Blast in Hawaii. And I loved it. I've loved every minute of it. And when the tour, the DVD for the tour came out, I bought it immediately. And they did a lot of... They did a lot of... <laughs> interesting things for this for for that concert tour and for example the song my girl was played on ukulele by aiba and it was very interesting to kind of hear that and it was very good that aiba took the lead for that because that that was his drama that my girl was a part of and personally i really liked my girl not a lot of people like the drama that it was attached to it was very weak overall and not believing but I, I ended up really liking it. But with that, let's kind of talk about the album. Digitalian. I mean, this was a very interesting album overall. What did you guys thought about? I, I think this is a lackluster album. I think is the best way to put it. It takes a long time for me to really get interested in this album. It just, Not that there's bad songs on it per se, but it's it's just... I don't know, like a lot of the songs just don't have a wow factor to them that really just grabs my attention. Guts is the first song on here that is of real note, and that's no, that's song six. And, you know, Stay Gold's okay, I guess. Merry Christmas is actually a pretty nice song. Uh, one Step is like like one of the first like real standout songs for me, and that's that is near the end of that album uh hey yeah is really high on my list of all-time favorite songs like this is a wonderful song i absolutely love it to death and then take off is kind of okay it's not bad but it's just kind of there so overall it this album it's 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 okay it's not amazing i i wouldn't run to re-listen to it anytime in the near future but you know it's not terrible it's just not outstanding either so for me i agree with gray it's not a big standout album i think guts was one of the best songs on the album i did love nino mia's solo track merry christmas especially with the holidays coming up and i thought matsumoto june's stay gold was also very good and his solo stuff is always hit or miss for me but i thought this was a solid one by him and I also enjoyed Sho Sakurai's solo on Hey Yeah. And there were a few other ones I enjoyed. I like Bittersweet. I like Kimi no Yumeo, Mite Ita. 
and Takeoff was good, but all in all, I mean, it, it was an okay album. There's only a few I will go back and listen to just singly, but not a, a whole lot. So I, I don't have too much to say about it. It's very, it's just okay. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, Digitalian was a hit or miss. I personally thought it was all right with a couple of things just picking at it. I mean, you have Guts, obviously, which is it's their, their number one song. You got Bittersweet as well, which was one of the it's one one of the songs that was a part of that that really stood out of it for me. You got One Step as well as two. You got a couple of the really good solo tracks, but for me, I mean, to be honest, this was when my love for Odyssey kind of ended because. Guts was the last good song, in in my opinion, for me. And I haven't heard a really great song done by them up until this past year. It was really difficult to be a fan of them because, I mean, it it's kind of like how we say for certain groups, like for Sumika or things like that, where we know where we're getting. And... What is it going to take for them to impress me kind of thing was really taking hold around this. And this album really showed that. Not to, to crack wise, I mean, I thought the, the, the concert I went to was amazing and I don't want to diss that. But the album after that, it's because during that concert, they were singing all their best songs. They, they they sung guts I believe but the, there wasn't much after that but there wasn't enough like solo songs that really kept me around and they became a group that just honestly after this I I have them in the background but it's not hitting that stride so to speak it's kind of like how I feel with AKB currently regardless let's go on to 2015 and their first single during that was titled sakura and was released in february this was the theme song for the drama uroboros and starred actor toma ikuta and <laughs> shinoguri this was very interesting as it marked the first time that arashi provided a theme song for a drama that they didn't star in so it was very interesting that they did that the single sold over 465,000 copies in its first week and topped the, the rankings once again. In addition, the DVD and Blu-ray sales of Odyssey's movie Pika Nichi, Life is Hard, Tabu Happy, released on the same day and sold on DVD and Blu-ray 72,000 and 82,000 copies with its, in its first week respectively. And top both the Orc on DVD and Blu-ray disc weekly rankings for that week. This first week sales of 88,000 copies is the highest record for any Japanese music or movie on Blu-ray. So that was a rare feat that they had at that time. In May, they released their 46th single t- titled Aozora no Shita Kimi no Tonari. Which was the theme song for Aiba's drama Yokuso Wagaya E? And the single sold over 500,000 copies in its first week and became Arashi's second 
chart-topping single of the year. They also released their 47th single in September titled Aoi Sakabe, which was used for the background song for the Zexy Recruit commercial. So if you guys don't know, that's like a job agency kind of thing. So The single sold over 463,000 copies in its first weekend, topped the charts once again. This became their 36th consecutive single to top the Oricon Weekly ranking charts. A feat that is still amazing to this day. In October, Arashi released their 14th album, Japonism, and sold over 820,000 copies in its first week and topped the charts once again for two consecutive weeks. Arashi attended the 66th NHK Kohaku Dagaksen and was a part of the white team. They didn't, they didn't host this time, and that's because they were the host for Johnny's Countdown 15 to 2016 concert that you know they had all their Johnny's Juniors with. And then it was announced by Oricon that once again they took the number one total highest sales revenue in Japan for 2015 at $14.3 billion. So what did we think of Japonism? I have some things, but what did you guys think about it? It's okay, I guess, is the best way I could put my thoughts and opinions on it. It has some songs that I like. Uh, one of them did make my top five, which we will we will eventually get to. But overall, it's it's another lackluster album, in my opinion. It, it, like, there's a couple of songs here worth talking about, but nothing too crazy. Uh, Sakura is a pretty decent song overall. Uh, Don't You Love Me is pretty good. Uh, Mr. Funk, I did wind up liking quite a lot. Rolling Days was pretty good. In the Room, I thought was kind of okay. Masquerade's okay-ish, but that's about where the album kind of drops off for me. Make a Wish is okay. I don't love that song per se, but I thought it was enjoyable. But overall, I, I just, I don't know, I just felt like this was a decent album. I, I don't know another word to describe it, but decent, so. So this was probably one of my least favorite albums. I mean, there was maybe only about four tracks that stood out to me. And the first one being Sakura. And that was one I had previously heard, so I was familiar with it. And then the next being Kokoro no Sora, Make-A-Wish, and The Deep End. But other than that, nothing stood out to me in this. It just felt very bland, unfortunately. And I, I feel like in a way I should go back and give it a re-listen. But at the same time, you know, after listening to it more than once and struggling with it a little bit, it was just very unfortunate. So, I mean, it was an okay one, but it just, it just fell very flat for me, to be honest. Yeah, I mean... Kind of like Digitalian, Japonism only had two or three songs that really kind of shined. And you got Maya B. Night, which is alright. And you got Masquerade, which is another good song. But all in all, I mean, this kind of proved my point that they were kind of just dragging it at this around this time. And especially with the albums, that you can be a very successful singles singles artists all you want but if you're if the bulk of your majority work is going to be into that album and if the album has a lot of problems then 
I, I don't know. Like for me, it it was very difficult to get into these later albums, so to speak. And this kind of proved my point of just like, oh, I mean, they're there. They're, it's not bad, but it ain't good either kind of thing. And that's how I mostly felt about about albums past love, so to speak. And it's very interesting to kind of see that happen once again through my eyes. Because I, I, I experienced this firsthand back when I was a fan of them. And re-experience it, I was like, why did I leave them? And I'm like, oh yeah, now I know why, kind of thing. That realization kind of really kind of took hold of me <laughs> during this time. And it was very difficult to kind of get over. But let's continue on with 2016. Their first single, Fukatsu Love, was released in February and was the sing- and was used for the their background song for their... NTT Docomo D Hits, which is a a phone company. If you guys don't know, they sign an exclusive contract with Docomo. So like, you, you go to any Docomo like phone provider, and you'll see their their posters all over the place. I remember going to Japan for the first time and seeing a Docomo place. I went in, I took a picture of this this Odyssey poster, and went right out. <laughs> the single sold well once again, selling over. 485,000 copies on its first week and topped the Oricon singles charts. That's a phrase I've been saying a whole lot more lately. Then in May, the group released their first double A side single titled I Seek and Daylight since their 2013 hit, Calling and Breathless. The single was used for the theme songs for Sekai Ichi Mizukashi, Koi, that start Ono, and 99.9 Kenji Senmon Bengoshi that starred Matsumoto. The single sold 700, over 730,000 copies on its first weekend, topped the Oricon single charts once again. It retained its number one position the following week by selling an additional 48,000 copies. In September, they released their new single, Power of Paradise. The title track was used for the theme song for Nippon TV's coverage of the 2016 Olympics in Rio, but was not included into their upcoming album in October. The The album in question was Are You Happy? The The album sold over 636,000 copies in its first week and topped the charts once again. To support the album, Arashi also held a live tour in November 2016 to January 2017, Performing in all the major dome stadiums once again. In Japan, Are You Happy went to become the highest selling album of 2016. And they also announced that they also reached the highest selling total sales for 2016. And topped the Blu-ray charts with their Arashi Live 2015 Japonism. And Blast in Arashi, or Blast, Arashi Blast in Miyagi. Back to back in 2015. So, what did you guys think of "Are You Happy"? I, I wound up really enjoying "Are You Happy." Surprisingly enough, it, especially coming off of Japonism, I really wasn't expecting a lot from "Are You Happy," and I guess because I had lower expectations for "Are You Happy," I wound up really liking it you know you start off the song with drive and that that was a really good way to start the album i liked i seek 
Ups and Down was really good. Show's solo song, Sunshine, is fantastic. Uh, can't recommend Sunshine enough. Uh, my my favorite song on the album easily was I O Sakebe. I love that song. That song is fantastic. It's really catchy. Just a fun song to listen to. And to my homies, uh, I wound up enjoying. It wasn't what I was expecting, which I think I was expecting a little much for the song ultimately in the end. But it still wound up being enjoyable. And and so I wound up enjoying that too. So overall, I, I really liked this album. I thought it was pretty solid. I, I don't think it ranks in their best. And I don't know if I would... Like if you're starting out with Otter I don't know if I'd recommend it there. But, you know, if you're a longtime fan, I think there's something here that you might find enjoyable. For me, are you happy I was in a little bit of the same boat as Chaponism? Uh, I, I found... I have several songs that I enjoyed, but... It, also was in a high album that I like absolutely loved. It's one of the lower end ones. I thought I Seek was fantastic though. I liked Ono's solo track Bad Boy. I also enjoyed Miles Away. To My Homies was actually a really fun song and despite the goofy like title it was very solid. I also liked Two to Tango. But other than that I mean it was a very hit or miss album for me and I think also coming off Japanism I was still a little bit eh on it so it just didn't click for me like I hoped it would for, for me it was very interesting I mean I like the b-sides are the the some of the tracks that really stood out to me from this was ups and down and seishun boogie and you got fukatsu fukatsu love that was probably one of the things that really brought up the best of the album. But overall, I thought it was that was just alright. I mean, like at this point, I I I was already in my mindset that they were kind of just like there <laughs> kind of thing, and it it was interesting to to say the least. It 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 added to what I thought of the the group overall. So. But yeah, I mean, Ashi also attended the 76 NHK Kohaku Dagakusen once again as part of the white team with group member Aiba hosting alongside Katsumi Adamura for the first time. And Arashi was also chosen to become this year's Otori, which is an act chosen to perform last and close the show. We've seen this a bunch of times where the last act had this monumentous thing before they they came out and did the uh, their their theme song. The group was awarded 2016's Artist of the Year once again, and they became the first artist to receive this award five times across their career. Uh, she also released their first single of 2017 titled "I'll Be There" in April, and serves as the theme song for the drama Kazuku Tante that starred Aiba as well. In addition, the group released a DVD live titled Arashi Live Tour 2016-2017 Are You Happy in May and the limited edition showed their concert in Yokohama that took place in August of 2016. It toppled the Oricon chart selling approximately 650,000 copies in its first week of June. And then they released their 52nd single titled Sunagu, which was used as the theme song for the film 
Shinobi no Kuni and sold over 389,000 copies in its first week, toppling the charts once again. Then in that October, Arashi released their 16th studio album titled Untitled. The album was Arashi's first attempt at a suit that incorporated melodies from different genres in order of songs of 10 minutes, and it, that is said to be representing the group's past, present, and future. So, what did you guys think of Untitled? You know, the song in question is called The Song For You. And that song in particular, I did not do any research when I was going into Untitled. So I just listened to it. And I was thinking, A Song For You is really, really long. I looked at it, and it was 11 minutes. And immediately... I thought, oh, Gray's not going to like this song <laughs> immediately because I'm like, he does not really like long songs, especially if it overstays its welcome, so to speak. I've heard you go up on this a bunch of times. and I was. It, it is a recurring argument I, I like to use because it, it's yeah. true. Like some, like some songs just don't respect your time. And a song for you, I, I was really like when I saw the runtime for it, I, I, I wanted to hate this song so much. I, I really did, because it's like 11 and a half minutes. This song clearly does not respect the time, my time or anything like that. I mean, that's just ridiculous. And I really wound up liking the song. It, it's it's in my honorable mentions. There are songs on this album I like more than, than this song overall, but it is very noteworthy and definitely worth pointing out. It's a good song, especially... It's 11 and a half minutes long. It, the runtime is 11 minutes and 29 seconds. So, you know, it's right there at 11 and a half. And, you know, you don't really notice the time go by. Like, by the time I got to the end of the song, I was like, it really doesn't feel like I've listened to a almost 12 minute song. It just doesn't. I mean, it does feel like it was longer than a three minute song, but, you know, it doesn't feel like, you know, this long epic that will never come to an end. And, you know, I think that was what I was dreading about it. I was like, oh my God, this song's going to feel like it's never going to end and it's just going to drag on. I'm going to be at the eight minute mark and cry because there's four minutes left of this song. But no, it never happened. I wound up just listening to it and enjoying it. And I I was really impressed. I was really impressed. That was was really good. Uh, But some of the other songs that really stood out to me were Greenlight, which is a a pretty solid opener for the album. Uh, It it does dip off and it takes a while for it to pick up for me. Uh, Hoyo, though, is a wonderful song. I loved that song. Then you had Prayer, which is a wonderful song. Uh, I loved Hikari. Uh, Kanata E is a great song. Yubi was, was, was a lot of fun. And... Comeback was pretty good, and the Kanpai song was pretty good. So, uh, Untitled overall, like, it's a little hit and miss. Like, early early on in the album, it's like, you know, songs like Mekon and Sugar, I didn't care much for. But, you know, once you get past all that, uh, Foon was actually pretty good. That is on my list, along with Ali no Mamade. Uh, the, both of those songs are, are pretty solid, too. So, you know, once you get past song six, I wound up really enjoying the album as a whole. All in all, Untitled's not too bad. I agree. I actually enjoyed Untitled more than the last two, Japanism and Are You Happy? 
I, I thought there were some solid tracks on it. it. It wasn't my favorite, but I thought Greenlight was a great st- great way to start off the album. I enjoyed Mekon, Sugar, Power of Paradise, Adi no Mama De. Um, Hoyo was also really good. And I mean, I thought it was, there were some solid tracks on it. I also like Song For You, despite it being the long runtime that it was, because it doesn't feel like it's 11 minutes. It goes by very quickly, and it is an absolutely gorgeous song. So I found that a very interesting choice for including on this, and I also thought they did it very well because some there are some songs you can tell that overstay their wel- welcome when they're even four or five minutes, but this one does not do that, and it keeps you very interested, which is not something you see in especially pop songs at all. But, I mean, Untitled was better than some of the other later ones. However, it definitely was not my, by any means, a close favorite out of the album. But I I thought it was okay. I thought it was an improvement. I mean, to be perfectly honest, like how we say if we really liked a lot of songs in, in a certain release, we hit the plus mark there. Unentitled didn't have any of that for me. It really solidified what I thought about this group. And that before the album that we're going to talk about at the end here, before that came out, I was like, you know, I understand. I know their importance to their industry and how they are. Currently, they're my boys, and I, I understand that. But as of right now, until a dramatic change happened, nothing was doing it for me. And this solidified it for that. Song for You was probably the closest I ever came to hitting a plus mark for it. Mostly because of just how the... It doesn't feel like a 11-minute song. Obviously, if you're just staring at a clock, looking straight at the song, yeah, it's going to feel like an 11-minute song. But for me, it didn't feel like that. It felt like it felt like a song that hit the right time at the right place. And it was also very interesting that during this time that they decided to do pairing songs, group and pairing songs, near the latter half of the album. And this was a first because this is the first time that they ever had like group songs within the in within the group itself. And I thought it was very interesting, but nothing really stood out to me. And I, I hate saying that about a group that I absolutely love. Because, like I said, they're my boys. And I, I, I want to support them as much as I can. But this album really solidified a lot of things for me. And it wasn't until their next album that really dug me out of it. <laughs> but with that, let's continue on to... Their 53rd single that was released in November of 2017 called, titled Doors, Yuki no Ki, uh, Kiseki. And it was used for shows drama Saki no Umareta Dake no Boku. And it would also include a song called Now or Never, which was used as a theme song for a Puzzle and Dragons commercial because Puzzle and Dragons is so popular there. And in 2018... The group announced a new single titled Find the Answer, and the single was used as the theme song for the season two of the 99.9 KG Senmon Bengoshi that starred Matsumoto. And the coupling and song 
the coupling song that was included on the standard edition for it for this was titled Shiroga Mao and it was used for Nippon Television's coverage of the 2018 Winter Olympics in Pyongyang. It was also featured uh, Sakurai as the main newscaster during that time. Then in July, the group dropped their 55th single titled Natsu no Hayate. During this time, we were in business, so we kind of had we're double dipping at this point because around this time we started our show and we talked about this song and this was the theme song for the netto koshien 100 japanese baseball championships charted once again at number one and sold over 470,000 copies and was the group's 51st number one single then in october the boys released their 56th single, Kimi no Uta, which was used as the theme song for Aiba's drama, Boku no Shippo to Kagerazaka, and once again topped the charts at, at number one, and ended up becoming the group's 45th consecutive number one single. And then in November of 2018, they began their 20th anniversary tour, called Odyssey Anniversary Tour 5X20, which they performed a total of 18 shows and five major dome tours in Japan. My Nino Upsus friend went to one of those, so I'm pretty jealous of that. During the penultimate show on December 23rd, they announced an additional 32 dates and brought the total schedule performances to 50, with an expended amount of total audiences being at 2.4 million which is their largest tour to date and also was the largest tour in japanese history in addition they also released a 20th anniversary album in june of 2019 that featured all their singles of the group and a 20 year history and a brand new song called 5x20 so i know this one it was very difficult because it includes songs that were a part of only a part of the anniversary album and I mean you got Natsuno Hayate I remember Kimi no Uta we were really high on originally and during this time Natsuno Hayate was your first exposure to Arashi Gray were you able to go back to that single and kind of listen to it and be like oh did something change in your mind sadly i ran out of time before i could get to do that but i i mean i i do know and i I talk about this when we get to my top five but turning up was like the first like real song that like really struck me so like i remember we had talked about them a couple of times beforehand and i kind of liked the songs that 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 we covered but I, they never blew me out of the water, or and I never really saw what the fuss was over, and and so I was like, I mean, you know, you, you know, I would listen to them. I'm like, I mean, yeah, this is a decent song, but I don't, I don't see what the big deal is. I guess would be the best way to put it. And I think turning point for that was tur- tuning up or turning up. So now, unfortunately, I wasn't able to go back and listen to this, but I, I do vaguely remember having that conversation. For me, I do remember a lot of these tracks as we covered them, like Find the Answer, Natsuno Hayate, Kimi no Uta. I 
specifically remember finding the answer and I don't remember I like remember why but it it I remember at the time I enjoyed it going back and listening to it I think there are way better songs I do think Kimino Uta is still a solid song and I remember enjoying it when I heard it and going back was just a nice peace of mind on that I think their 5 times 20 album is a if you can get a copy, I highly recommend picking it up because you're really getting the best of Odyssey on there and you're getting the tracks that didn't make it on an album, not to mention all the older tracks, especially if you have none of their previous albums, which I didn't have at the time. So for me, this was a great purchase and going through listening to each and every one and in a way you get to see how they've they've grown over time by listening to this and seeing how their music has changed and the impact they've had. So I feel like I have not listened to the last disc, disc four, which had a lot of their more recent track stores, Yuki no Kisaki, Find the Answer, Five Times 20. I haven't listened to that one as much due to the fact that the first two discs are super solid. I mean, absolutely great. Disc three is... Still a solid disc on there, some great ones, but I just feel like it, it's, you know, I, I feel like when they did Kimino Uta, it was, they were starting to go in the right direction before we get to their newest album, as I know we liked a lot of the singles off that one, but I felt like that was kind of a turning point in them coming back, for me at least. Yeah, I mean, going back and doing Find the Answer and everything that was released in 2018, it was very interesting. I remember Kimina Uta was very polarizing for me because it just starts very slow and then just goes right into the song. I was very polarized by that. Natsuno Hayate, I, I personally remember you weren't a fan of it, Gray. I, I remember that much. So it was very interesting. I, I, I did wanted to hear what, what had changed overall, but um, during due to timing constraints, I can understand, but... Yeah, I mean, overall, it was really great, and I I really... Then, in January 27, 2019, the group announced that they will be ceasing all group activities and be taking a hiatus on December 31st of 2020. The statement was published through through a video where all five members of the group appeared together, and the announcement trained on Twitter how i i did something that we did we don't do for the site is where we did a breaking news and then we did a follow-up that's the first time we've ever done that for the site was because this was really really freaking important after the groundbreaking announcement the group stayed quiet throughout the year it was very frightening honestly and they released their single brave which Topped the charts once again at 660,000 copies in its first week. And in October of 2019, they announced that they will be having an official YouTube channel. And it had five music videos. Happiness, Love So Sweet, Monster, Truth, and their signature song, Arashi, with later live versions of the songs being included. This is the first time that Arashi 
had actual music videos up for the public that you weren't getting like rips or anything like that to see and it was very interesting to have that step forward in addition in november they also made a live announcement that they'll be releasing an official source social media accounts on facebook twitter instagram tiktok and weibo which is the social media for china if you guys don't know and this is also a first time for them too because they don't usually have official accounts none of johnny's groups usually have official accounts so it's very rare for them to have done they also released the new music video for their track turning up and the international digital release for the song was also released which was a first for the group who only focused then on physical media this trend continued in february of 2020 with the release of all 16 albums except compilation and soundtrack albums in digital form in total 256 songs were released on across all digital music streaming platforms though what was very interesting during the turn of 2019 the group announced that they will be teaming up with popular composer and another artist that we've spotlighted, Kenshi Yunezu, with their track Kite, and will serve as the NHK coverage of the 2020 Summer Olympics that was going to take place in Japan. And we all know how that went. <laughs> it went off very swimmingly with no accidents whatsoever. The special program in the 2020 stadium was hosted by the group and it was first performed on the NHK 70th Kohaku Utagaksen. Proper release for this single dropped in July of 2020 where, surprise surprise, it debuted atop the chart once again and sold over 900,000 copies in its first week and became Arashi's 47th consecutive and 54th overall number one single extending the record of most number one singles in japan this also marks adashi's largest opening sales week and bookend the end of adashi's physical singles career as this was the last release as of we doing this show before their hiatus the cover of the single was painted by by ono himself to signify how important this release was. Prior to this release of Kite, Arashi also released several remixes of popular tracks, which they called the Reborn series. And in September, the group announced that they will be holding a collaboration with singer-songwriter Bruno Mars on their social media and official page. In result, the track was called Whenever You Call. And this was the first full English song for the group and was released on September 18th. And the last single released by Arashi, titled Party Starter, was released on October and topped the charts once again. And it this was this and Whenever You Call was released digitally across all digital music streaming platforms, by the way. But the group announced finally that they will announce release their 17th album, This Is Arashi. And it was to be released in November. And as of recording, is the final release of Arashi before they go on hiatus. And once again, the album debuted 
at number one, selling close to 700,000 copies in its first week. Now, how did we feel about this album overall? Because at this point, we knew who Arashi was. At this certain point, because uh, their digitals release did really help them gain, come into to mind a lot more. So we knew who Arashi was. How did you guys think of this album? And did you guys think that this album was a good way to, to end Arashi's career, so to speak, if they decide not to come back together? I I, th- I think they go out on a high note. I, I, th- I think this is a great album. This is easily the best album that they've released in years. I, I, I don't really think there's much competition in that, especially comparing, like, you know, Untitled, you know, Are You Happy? You know, like, you know, you have, like, all these, like, mediocre albums uh this is arashi is really good now it is mostly just a lot of their more recent singles that they've dropped uh but i mean you know i I can't wait for christmas is a pretty good song and um the fifth track which is a bunch of japanese i can't read uh that was also a good song but you know you also have songs like Kaito, that was really fun to re-listen to. I liked Showtime. I thought that was a good way to start the album. Turning Up, uh, we'll talk about. And Whenever You Call, we'll talk about later. Uh, In the Summer, I've I've liked since that dropped. And uh, I know when we first talked about Party Starters on the show, none none of us were were really digging it. I, I, I liked it more than you guys, but... Even I was still kind of like, eh, it's okay. And then like two days ago, I had like this, I don't know, this revelation of some sort. And I just love the song now. And and I'm like, oh my God, this is a great song. I've had it on, like I had a lot of shuffling and stuff I had to do yesterday. And so one of the things that I I did was I was, I just had uh, Party Starters on repeat because it was just such a good song. And and I, I I finally get that song now, and I, I find it to be insanely catchy. And you know the music never ends is a great way to end the album. I thought that was a wonderful way to to just put a little pin on it. And you know I don't know if they'll come back, but if this is the last album we ever get. I I mean personally I think they go out on a high note, and that's to be celebrated. So for me, I as you know I did buy this album. I bought this as Adashi, pre-ordered it upon release. And most of the songs we've already heard, which is obvious. I mean, there's not too many new songs. The only ones are Showtime, I Can't Wait for Christmas, Itsu Ka Byoshino Arukuro, Do You, and Music Never Ends. So pretty much everything else has been previously released. So my one issue with the album is you can tell a lot of these were digital singles and just put in there because it doesn't completely flow. I think Showtime is a fantastic way to start off the album. I really like that. It blends very well into Turning Up. I do personally love I Can't Wait for Christmas because it is a great Christmas song. However, it feels out of place in the album. At least that's how I feel. Same with In the Summer. In the Summer also feels extremely out of place. And I don't even know where I'd move in an album. But that's one after listening to it on this album. And usually I say my best listening is in my car when I'm driving because I can turn it up very loud. And I actually did not care as much for In the Summer as I initially did. And I don't know if it was the spot it's in the album and going from Itsuka, Byushino, Aru, Aokoro to that. And then to Kaito. 
I don't know if that's what does it. It just doesn't fit. But that, you know, you could pluck a couple of these as being out of place. I do, however, think The Music Never Ends is a good way to end the album. And does give you an insinuation that they will be back eventually. And I love that. Um, I mean, Party Starters, I'm still kind of eh on. I mean, I don't hate it as much as I initially did. I remember I really didn't care for it the initial time. It's more tolerable now. I mean, Brave and Kaito are still fantastic. Whenever You Call is one of my favorites on that album. I mean, it is an absolutely beautiful ballad. It shines, the vocals, everything. So I'm iffy on this one just because of the fact that it doesn't feel like their other albums is it more feels like stuff is thrown in there between their digital releases and a few new songs. So I think maybe if it had maybe two to four more tracks that would make a difference for me. But being as short as is and having a lot of these just in there I don't know something just throws me off on it I it's not a bad album I actually do think it's one of their better ones over the last ones just because I really didn't care for you know Japana's um Untitled you know and some of the others and I think this one is better due to the fact that I like I love Turning Up that's still my favorite track on the album along with whatever you call but it, it's like I'm, I'm trying to think of how to explain it. Like for me, it's half and half because it's like, I do like so many of the tracks in the album, especially being released as digital singles, but how the album flows together, it doesn't really flow like the rest of them do to me. So I think that's where I'm like hit or miss on. I'm not sure how to rate the album in like, in that aspect. I mean, it's a decent album to go out on. However, I, I think it could have done with a few more tracks. Although the ones on here are very standout-ish. And I can't complain having like whatever you call and turning up on their songs to go out on. Same with Kaito. Party Starters, I wish if they would have chosen another single to end their last of the digital singles. However, we'll see. But that's, that's kind of my bits and pieces. I'm really curious about what Ken has to say on this. Oh, oh boy. So, like you said, Luna, a lot of... We talked about this. We talked about this on the show literally like a week or two ago. The point of them cramming a lot of songs into this overarched the flow of the album overall. And when me listening to this, I did think that this was a good dovetail to their careers of right now. And... Is their best album in years, like how you were saying, Ray. However, certain tracks did interrupt the flow of how I thought the the album was going. Obviously, in the summer is one of them. It's mostly because I really wish this was released in the summer <laughs> compared to how it was released now. But it is what it is. I did like having a actual version of Kite that I can go and listen to because I didn't buy the physical. And having whenever you call is also really good. I mean, you have party starters. I know how I feel about that. And I know you really like it, Gray. But eh, it's kind of just like meh for me. You got Turning Up, which is good. It is really good for them. And I'm very happy that we get to talk about Turning Up again because I never did go back to it after it fell off the charts. And with the album, 
this was released on, it was a great time to be like, yeah, this is us kind of thing. And we are going to shake up what the world knows about J-pop. And they did it. I mean, a couple misses aside, they did it with this album. And this is a great dovetail, so to speak, of what their career ends up being. I mean, overall, is there a specific album that kind of shines in your eyes as your favorite? Like I said earlier, I th- I think overall, Love wound up being my favorite. Just uh, that one wound up having the most songs on it that really resonated with me. Uh, I could tell that to a lot of people, Boku no uh, Mitelu Fuke, I could tell that being probably the fan in favorite. I, I could t- easily see that. But like I said, I think Love wound up being my favorite just because, like I said, that, that one wound up having a lot of songs on it that I really enjoyed, which is funny because none of the songs from Love wound up being in my top five either. And I got two from Time. So it, it, it's interesting how it all works out in the end. But I, I would say Love. I, I think I'm pretty confident in saying Love was probably wound up being my favorite album. Easy now. That that's my favorite of them all. I mean, I thought Boku Boku no Miteru Fuke is fantastic, and I love Time, but Iza now takes it for ni- my number one. I mean, if it was for me, it is Boku no Miteru Fuke. I mean, this was the this was the first album that I bought physically, and it holds a lot of resonance with this song and Beautiful World. To be honest, it's tied. Both of those are tied to be to be honest for me. And then I got Iza now. Iza now has two of my all-time favorites on here and it was very difficult but Boku no Miteru Fukei is probably my favorite because of just how my history with Arashi be started around this time and this album encapsulates what I really did like about the group so so I want to play Devil Advocate what is the least favorite album that you guys didn't like I would say Digitalian. Honestly, there's like three songs on there that I like. I, like I know everybody likes Guts, and I I even it's even on my list, but it's pretty low on my list. Like I'm not the biggest fan of that song, and all in all, like I, I felt like that was just a lackluster album, and it, it really started like that whole that whole like okay we're going down now and i I just it just left a a, i wouldn't say a bad taste in my mouth but i i like i said i don't know i don't see myself running back to this album anytime in the near future so that i would i would say digitalian is pretty easily on my list japanism for me i just that was the one i probably had the fewest songs that i liked and i just couldn't really get into and I mean, the other one would have been "Are You Happy?" But Japanism, I still, I only found maybe a few songs I would go back and listen to again. Honestly, to be perfectly honest, for me too, it would be the last four before this is Odyssey. It would be "Unentitled," "Are You Happy," "Japanism," and "Digitalian." Those would be really low on my list. But to pinpoint one, I've already said it. It's "Untitled." I've I never found a song in Untitled that I actually really liked. And that's really sad for me. <laughs> and I've usually liked one or two songs off of uh, off of Are You Happy, Japonism, and Digitalian. But I could not find a song that I liked in Untitled. 
and that eat me up inside. <laughs> so for, for me, it's very interesting. So before we kind of go into our top five songs and runner up songs here, overall, how did you like your your time with Odyssey beforehand with this now? I, I think my words at the beginning of the podcast really just best encapsulates my, my feelings for this group. It, it, it was a wonderful, awesome time to spend with them. It's bittersweet to put a cap in this, but, you know, hopefully, you know, they come back and we get to follow them for, you know, 10 more years or however long they decide they want to do this because uh, these guys are great. They're fantastic. And, you know, I I'm, feel very blessed to have gone through this and been able to listen to their whole career. It was a, a lovely adventure to go on. Yeah, I, I, I feel the same way Gray does. I mean, I think what I said at the beginning best states my feelings. However, this has been a great journey and I have grown to love their music and found so much of it enjoyable. And I'm going to continue to listen to them. And I mean, I just bought their This Is Odyssey album, which I'm currently listening to in a car. So that says something right there. But it has been an amazing time and they've gotten me to love them and to start to branch out a little bit more into Johnny's as well, which is what I don't usually do. But they've showcased all their talent and I have fallen for them and so grateful for you choosing them as an artist spotlight for me to actually dive fully in and grasp their whole music. Yeah, for me, going over their entire discography was was obviously very difficult. <laughs> but my feelings for Odyssey hasn't really changed. They are my boys. They are a huge part of why I got into Japanese pop culture and the Japanese music industry. And the reason why probably why I'm doing this podcast here now and I've been happy to kind of go through this ride with you guys to talk about Odyssey and yeah it's uh, very interesting times and with that let's continue on to some of our favorite songs of Odyssey's discography let's start with our runners up and since I've been kind of going into this let's start with you Gray first yeah, uh, so for me, I've, I've pretty much talked about all my runners up as as we've kind of moved on through the night, but I'm just going to pick one or two more to highlight to really just talk about. First off, uh, like I said, like I've had a recent like newfound love for party starters, and I I've had that song just stuck in my head. I, I wake up with that song stuck in my head, so uh, I I I've, I've come around to it. I really really like it. One of the other songs that I just absolutely adored was uh, Mr. Funk. I, I really, really enjoyed that song a lot. I felt like that was a good one. Uh, one I, I didn't mention earlier, and I, I kind of kicked myself for not mentioning it, was um, Fly on Friday, which is on the Popcorn album. I really loved that song. It's so good and uh, a lot of fun overall. And... Uh, uh, moving on is just another really really good song but everything else I, I think I've pretty much talked about as we've gone through the list so those are just the ones I wanted to quickly highlight uh, yeah I've pretty much talked about mine as well as we went throughout highlighting all the ones I hit the plus mark on 
I will say turning up from This Is Arashi is also one of my big runners up. I wanted to place in my top five, but there was so much competition, to be honest. And turning up for me was a turning point to get me back into Odyssey is when this one hit the charts and I listened to it. I fell in love with it. It is an upbeat, fun song. I have had it on repeat all summer, not to mention most of the year. And I continue to listen to the song. Whenever You Call is also up there. Since I first heard it, I fell in love with it. It is a beautiful one. I know I talked about this on a little bit when we discussed this is Adashi. Also, Pikanichi Doboru uh, off Iza Now. That is another favorite of mine. It is just such a great song. And I didn't care so much for Pikanichi, but I love Pikanichi Doboru. Also, Calling from Love. I found it was one of my favorites off that album. Firefly, which I did discuss when we talked about time. I just love the sound of that that song. Um, and Love So Sweet. I talked about that. It is my all-time favorite song. However, I did not put it in my top five. As there's a couple other ones that I've listened to a lot more lately. And I will go into the Love So Sweet one a little bit later. Yeah, so for me, a lot of the runners-up are from Boku no Miteiru Fukaya. You got Troublemaker, you got Monster, you got everything. And, like, one of my absolute, like, runner-up songs, I wish that we could do a top six, and I would put this song in here, is Soda Takaku. This was a very inspirational song for me, listening to it, and watching the, the drama that they're a part of. It is called... Saigo no Yatsuku, Last Promise, and pretty much it it really confirmed my love for those boys after watching that particular drama, and the song that was a part of that particular track, or drama, Soda Takaku, was amazing. I really liked the rap for that one, it was really good. You got Truth also, which is a really good song, you got Step and Go, as I talked about, got bittersweet in digitalian that was like i mentioned earlier it was one of the only songs that i from digitalian that i actually really did like that wasn't a single and then you also got guts guts is probably like i said earlier the last song in my mind before 2020 that was really standoff in my mind as an odyssey song but you also got lotus which is a couple of things, and then you got Make You Love Song. Make You Love Song is absolutely fantastic. But with that, let's go into our number fives of our top five. So, Gray, why don't you take it away? Uh, yeah, so uh, for my number five, I really didn't have a ballad in my top five. So I, I had to rethink a little bit because, you, you know, we're, we're talking about a boy group and... I do have uh, another ballad. I don't consider it a ballad. I hadn't thought of it as a ballad until Luna called it a ballad. And I was like, oh, so I have maybe two ballads in my top five. But uh, I wanted like a, I guess a more traditional ballad that's like really like composition and emotionally focused heavy. And so there's a lot of really good choices to choose from. And I wound up going with, I know it was a lackluster album for all of you guys. Uh, but for Japonism, the song Bokura ga Sunaideku wound up being just like a really good ballad for me. It really caught me and it really captured me in the 
opening moments of the song like the piano in that is just a wonderful wonderful sound that it produces and the guy's vocal performance in that is really just emotionally driven and it's just it really is a powerful ballad that really just really pulls the listener in and i wound up really loving this song i thought it was fantastic and I thought it was really like number five was just like needed to be this song. So, cause I already had another, I had a different song for my five and I, I slotted that out for this when I heard it. And this is actually like the song that's keeping Japonism from being the worst uh, album in my opinion is <laughs> because the song's on there. And if the song wasn't on there, it, it would probably be the worst, but I did wind up really loving this song. I felt like it was, a diamond in that rough and it was definitely just the standout for that entire album so bokura bokura ga sunaide ku it was it was beautiful going back and listening to it i must have overlooked it originally when i listened to japanism because at that point since it's down near the end of the album once i get halfway through i think i was just done with that album as i was really you know striking out so this gave me a good chance to go back and re-listen to this track, and I do agree, it's a great ballad. It is beautiful. The The guys have a great blend of vocals and harmonies in this track, especially the chorus. I think the chorus stands out more than anything when they all vocalize together. So I I thought it was beautiful. I mean, it, it's not my favorite ballad by them but it is very very well done and the piano work and it is beautiful and you can you can feel the emotions as they're singing yeah no i mean ballads are always a soft spot for me and like another track on the list of piano tracks that they include in their lovely discography this takes charge and it's really damn impressive i tell you this much it's one of the things that I actually fell in love with was the composition for this song and how they use the piano work. It's probably one of the best in my mind, and it's a damn good showing of just their composers and how they're able to work with the boys here. But yeah, Boku Dawa ga Sinai Deiku, which is just absolutely amazing. I'm happy to talk about it just a little bit more as your number five. So my number five was Thank You For My Days from Isa Now. And this is the one song that I remember standing out to me to the point that I had to listen to it more than once. And I don't even, I'm trying, I was actually standing in like devote when I was listening to all their stuff. And when I got to this song, it just resonated with me and I immediately fell in love with it. And I just kept listening to it over and over and over and this is my favorite song on Isa Now, despite they had so many fantastic songs in that album, and it's just great. But Thank You For My Days is just absolutely beautiful, and just that chorus when they're all singing together just puts me in this warm, fuzzy feeling and made me feel really good inside. And I think that's why it jumped out at me. It's a feel-good song for me, and it's more of a mid-tempo track. It's not that upbeat, but it's not a ballad. So I think I just love that mellow type sounding one and it is just gorgeous and I highly recommend checking that one out. I know it wasn't one of their singles and it's more one of their just tracks on the album, but 
it stands out for them and just shows their harmonies and the composition is amazing. Yeah, I mean, the happy-go-lucky feel for the song does help it out in the long run. And I absolutely really liked it. It did jump out to me when I first heard it once again. And it does show a strong showing for when this song first appeared and when it appeared in Isa Now. So I'm really happy that you got to talk about it just a little bit more and have it featured, so to speak. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy that it was on your number five there, Luna. Yeah, thank you for my dates. It's one of the best songs off Isa Now. There are two songs, and we'll talk about them, that I like a smidge more than this one. But I, I love how Luna talked about how it made her have like a warm, fuzzy feeling on the inside, because I got that exact same feeling when I listened to this song. It just is full of positivity, and you, you know, there you can never have too little positivity in the world. Like you, There's always a need for more of it. So I really love like the attitude of like being positive and being grateful and just and just the whole feel and mood for the song. I just absolutely adore. Yeah. So with that, my number five is Endless Game. And the come hither composition that starts off the song is just absolutely amazing and is one of the things that actually stand out from the track overall. And it being attached to Kazuku Game does really help out its popularity overall. I mean, Endless Game is fantastic. I absolutely loved it. It was the song that really made me love love, so to speak. And I... Uh, let's just say this much. A lot of my my songs that I've chosen were part of dramas and it showed how important that that aspect of their career was really important to overall. And for me, I mean, Endless Game was that very suspenseful feel, and you kind of can feel it, and it linking with the drama did help. And it playing off each other did really help overall. Yeah, I had no idea that this was attached to a drama, so I was really surprised to hear that it was but well not too surprised because you can kind of hear it like one of the things that really stood out to me is throughout the song there's this sense of franticness that you find through it the way that the tempo moves and the way that the piano works with the composition really gives you the sense of urgency and the way that the guys sing this song also gives it a sense of urgency with you know quickly sung notes and like that's there's like a hint of frantic desperation in it like he, they might be on the run or something to that effect so I, i'm i'm very interested to see the drama that this is attached to because th- that to me would be interesting to see how they connect and play together but uh as a as the song itself endless game it is very interesting and it is a lot of fun it's uh one of the ones that I kind of left off when I was talking about the album, but it is a great song and a fun one to go back and listen to. Yeah, so initially I overlooked this one a little bit as well, but going back and listening to it, the composition is what really stands out and have the guys just match that with the vocals and make it very urgent. And it also, and I, I knew it was attached to drama, And hearing that track, actually, it does sound like it's attached to that one, despite me already knowing. 
And it makes me actually want to watch it and see how well this track flows with the drama as well. It seems like it's a very fast-paced, interesting one, just judging by how Endless Game sounds. And it's just how they go about it, the vocals and everything. But I think really what does it is the composition for me is that sells it as I just love every bit of that and what they do with it. Moving on to my number four pick, uh, I went with a song off time that really surprised me. I, I wasn't expecting it in a lot of ways, but I wound up really loving the song. And the name of the song is Kaze. And I just I just love how catchy the song is. Uh, I love the hook. I really like the melody that it has. And one of the, like the selling points for me personally is shows rap at the end of the song i think it just like when i heard that rap i was like oh my god okay show like like i was i liked show a lot but i became this is the song that really made me a show fan because i really really liked his rap uh there's a couple of other songs that he really kills the rap in that we'll talk about later but uh for me personally this was just a standout song and and the composition's done really well i'm i mean it takes like over 30 seconds before the boys even sing. Like, you know, they just build up this nice melody that uh, the guys eventually, you know, sing to. And it's just a lovely song and uh, just wound up being one of my absolute standouts for them overall. I loved this song. So, yeah, Kaze was great. And Time was a solid album. And this one fits perfectly in time as with the composition blends very well with the rest of the tracks but not only that Kaze just has a very nice composition to it and I love Shoal I mean his rap is fantastic like Ray talked about his rap in the song is amazing and it does make the track for me because I did disregard it most of it at first just because it was it was a very it was a mid-tempo but uplifting track However, because of that, I kind of I started to disregard it. But then when Show came in and started rapping, I just added that in and, and loved that part of it. I'm glad I got to go back and re-listen to it because it wasn't my favorite track on time. So it wasn't one of my most listened. But going back, like that piano at the beginning is great. And just how all their vocals blend together. Yeah, so... For, for me, this was a very unusual pick, I thought. And it was really great, honestly. From the start, the piano work is just amazing. And it sticks through you throughout the song and leaves that lasting impression to you. And, and I guess that's that hook that you were talking about earlier. And Show's rap is really impressive on this outfit. I have personal favorites of Show's rapping and that will be in play later on. But this was really good. And it does show that his skills over time did improve and this was one of the tracks that kind of showed this shows that off even more so i was i was very happy that you got to talk about this one so my number four is sakura sake and it's such a fun track how it starts off it is one of those foot tapping upbeat songs that really gets you want to move and dance to and it would also be a fun one to karaoke to. I don't think I could keep up with the vocals. However, I mean, it is a catchy one that I I just cannot say enough about. And the first moment I heard it, it was stuck in my head with that chorus. And it is 
also perfect in spring when all the cherry blossoms start to bloom. And you get that feeling. It's one of those upbeat tracks that just makes you want to tap your feet. So it was actually used for the Shiro Minami prep school commercial, if I'm correct. Yeah. And it it's one of those that, I mean, I heard this in a commercial. I'd probably be going out and buying that single right away because it does get stuck in your head. And I, I love this one. I gravitated toward this one so many times. And it is just a fun one to blast up in the radio and listen to and dance to. And I'm really not sure how to explain it, but it has a somewhat rock feel, but a dance rock feel to it with that pop. And the com- the composition on it is just really what makes it work, along with just everything they they do with it with their vocals too so yeah so this is a great up and up energetic song and to absolutely admit this i wasn't a fan of it originally but it wore me over and just got me pumping to the point that the the song that they're going whoa whoa oh yeah i'm just like dancing along with that there's i just i I always sing to it when I or do the motions whenever I see it, and I'm very happy that you got to bring that up. So that's that's one thing that I absolutely did love about this track, and shows rap is actually really good in this song too. <laughs> yeah, shows rap in this song is, is superb and it is really really good. This is actually a song I had really forgotten about till. I had looked at Luna's number one uh, top five list and I was like, oh yeah, I totally forgot about this song. So I, I had a lot of fun just going back and listening to it because, you know, when you cover like 17 or 13 albums, like it, it's just, you know, sometimes things get lost in the shuffle. But this is a wonderful track and it, I just, I love that rock feel. Anytime Arashi does like a rock single, they, they tend to knock it out of the park. Like they really know how to attack that that particular style of composition that just really sells the number. So I really enjoyed this. I think it's a lot of fun and I really enjoyed going back and listening to this one. Yeah. So my number four is Pikanichi double and it's actually a, just a very fun and uplifting track that just gets up and jumps at you from the, from the get go. And it just doesn't let you go for me. Like the first time I saw this was the music video and the, choreography for this track is just on point and something that i fell in love with to the point that i ended up learning how to dance this song in the beginning and the course is fairly simple it's a very simple dance so it's one of the things that i absolutely love and it just showed how on top of the world odyssey was from that point on and it was something that just got me and i've always gone back to it no matter what and there's probably only a couple more songs after this that really beats it in my mind. I Every time it shows up on my rotations, I always has to sit down and listen to it. And it's Pikanichi Double is just, just absolutely amazing. Yeah, Pikanichi Double is a wonderful song. And, it, you know, just like I just said, I, whenever she does like a rock number they, they tend to just nail it and you know Pikinichi double is no different but one of the things that I really liked about this particular track is actually the violins like the violins just add that little touch of awesome to this track that just really make the whole thing come together so 
I, I really, really wound up digging this track. It, it is just a lot of fun overall. And, you know, that, you know, that's what music's here for is to entertain us. So I, I really dug this number and uh, this was really when I first listened to, to this is now album. I really, like, there was two songs that really, really stuck out to me. Pikanichi double was one of them. And I, I just absolutely loved it, especially when you compare it to Pikanichi. Like this, like this, there's, it's weird that, you know, those two songs are mildly related because they just sound nothing alike. But uh, this is just an absolutely lovely song, and I could easily see why this is one of their best. So I love Pikanichi Double. This was one of my honorable mentions, and it, and like Ken said, it is very uplifting and it jumps out at you, and it is. And that's one of the great things about this song is how uplifting it is. It, the poppiness of it and like Ray said the violin in it is fantastic it's one that you just want to sing along to and wave your hands and I just I just love it and it's such an easy listen as well it's one you can just put on and enjoy anytime for my number three track I, I went with a much more recent number but it, it's a song that I've had on repeat all summer it's a song that I absolutely adore and it just there's no way i could make a top five without it and that's whenever you call i I just love this song and and i've always fancied myself as somebody that just you know i love singing along with songs on the radio growing up as a kid that was like one of my favorite things to do and when i transitioned over to j-pop i still try to do that but you know i'm trying to mimic the sounds that i hear and you know, that, that doesn't really get that satisfying feeling sometimes of when you're just singing along, you know, matching the, the words. So for this song, like, it's, it's just been like one of those songs where, you know, like if I'm driving down the road, like I like to I like to sing it and my fiance is just sitting there and she's having to hear me sing the song to her. So I love this song. And I, I think Bruno Mars is a, an incredibly talented artist and I like the one thing that really stops this from being in my top two is I do hear his touch in this song and it, it kind of takes me out of it just a little bit, but this song is still really, really amazing. And I think I, I there, are, there are two songs that I like a bit more than this, but I, I mean, this is easily one of my favorite songs of the year. I'm going to be talking about this again in a month. And I, I just can't wait to do it because this is just one of the highlights of my year was Whenever You Call. It's just a wonderful song. So I also love Whenever You Call. It is a one of their their best ballads and it is one of my favorites off This Is Adashi. I mean, Bruno Mars is extremely talented in both singing, songwriting, composing, and you can hear his touch in Whenever You Call, which... I mean, when I, but you also hear Adashi's touch. So I think they pulled it off so well. I mean, the harmonies in it, they show off all their vocal skills and the lyrics in it are very touching. It is just an amazing track. And it was one of the first moment I heard, I fell in love with it. And it's easy to sing along with as well. I mean, not only just because it's in English, but because of how simplistic the lyrics are, simplistic but meaningful. It is one that many people can relate to, enjoy, and sing with. And I love that fact about it. And it's just, 
And overall, it, it's one of, you know, the top songs, and I highly recommend people checking it out. So I, I knew this song was going to make it on your list some way, somehow. I just didn't know where it was going to be, Gray. So I'm happy that you did because we finally get to talk about it a little bit more as much as we have been over over the course of the year. This being their first fully sung English track was a high accomplishment after knowing the group for so long. And like I said on the show, this was a great track. And it's something that I actually had looked forward to hearing an English spoken track done by them. Now they've they've done it for a couple of songs with that mixture. But a fully English sung track was something that I was always looking forward to. And I'm glad that we got to talk about it again. And I will probably talk. We are going to talk about it next month. So can't wait for that, I guess. <laughs> All right. So my number three is Make You Love Song. Lab- and Make You means Labyrinth. So I absolutely love this one. And, and Popcorn was one that was a little bit hit or miss for me for an album. I thought it was solid. But Make You Love Song stood out the most to me. And the melody, the composition, there are harmonies in it. And also I like when they switch off their vocals because you get to hear each member and hear how talented they are. And that's one of the many reasons I love it. It flows so well together and it is just an absolutely beautiful track. I just love the flow of it and it really gets stuck in your head. It's very catchy and... I guess it was probably the first time I heard it. I just kept playing it over and over my head. And that's what really got me into it. And it just sticks with you. And re-listening to it before this. I mean, I just love how their vocals work with it. And match the composition so well. And just make it just makes it flow so nicely. Yeah, so when this track first came out, I absolutely loved it. And I'm so happy that... It made one of your guys' lists, and just the vocals were on point for this song, and I love the solo vocal version that Ono does for this track, and it's just chilling when it leads into that final chorus. It's one of the things that I absolutely loved about this song, and it's a track that I usually can never forget. It's When I listen to it, it's just it grabs me, and I always need to have it in my rotation after that. Yeah, uh, this is actually my favorite song off Popcorn. I really, really loved this track, and uh, I, I didn't, I haven't mentioned it up to this point, but this was one of my honorable mentions that I really just loved the song. I, I think it's fantastic. I love it. It's a fun song that just really is this nice upbeat song. I do love how, like, for the chorus, they they slow down the tempo a little bit before they kick it into overdrive for the for the chorus and. It's just a lovely song overall, and it it was really wonderful to get to talk about it again. Yeah, so for my number three song, it is Beautiful Days. And this is a track that actually fills me up with a lot of hope. And paired with another song is an absolute track that I have to go sing karaoke as... It is a continued trend of being a part of a single that is very important to my life and my love for pop culture, and that was with Yusei no Kizuna. Both this and the coupling song for that drama was absolutely one of my favorite tracks, 
And this isn't just number three or part of my top five for Odyssey. It's probably in my top five in my entire discography of songs that I have. With the number one song being the coupling song for that drama, which is Orion by Mika Nakashima. So that was the B-sides for the drama there. And Beautiful Days was something that at the time when I was listening to it actually got me out of a very kind of dark rut. <laughs> and anything, every single time that that I kind of feel down in my life, I've always listened to this song and it kind of helps just a bit. This and Odeon anyway. But it was one of the songs that really is important to me for how I ended up becoming a part of the show overall and how I ended up really liking the Japanese pop culture as a whole. Yeah, uh, Beautiful Days is just a wonderful track. It's a gorgeous song. I, I, to, to me, I describe this as a up-tempo ballad, but the thing that really struck me about the song, I do love, like, you really get to hear the guys harmonizing in this song and they really knock it out of the park. But for me, the thing that really, really sells it is that piano. Like that piano is just so freaking awesome. And the, like the piano solo in the middle just really is like the cherry on the parfait. Like I love that piano solo. It really sells this song and really gets it to come together. And uh, that was really the thing that stood out to me. Uh, this is a wonderful track. And uh, I can see why it's Ken's number three. So, yeah, I, I agree. It Beautiful Days is absolutely beautiful. And like Gray mentioned with the piano, I love the part where their piano just goes and it leads right up to that final verse, that, that final momentum. It is just absolutely beautiful. And it showcases that. And the chorus in, in, in Beautiful Days is extremely catchy. When you start hearing them saying, I mean, it just pulls you in. And really, you want to, you just melt away in this song and you get so into it. And that's how I, I feel about it. Whenever I hear it, I just kind of stop what I'm doing and just take it all in and get lost in it and get lost in that chorus and start singing along to it. And I just absolutely love it. It is an ama- it is amazing and not to mention just how the guys harmonize in it just do does it so much justice and their vocals shine it, it it's fantastic and i'm so glad you brought this one up especially it being a single and despite it being in the best albums i feel like it's overlooked and i probably would have overlooked it in general if it wasn't on here not being on the the singles i mean being on the al- that an actual like studio album so all right, moving on up to my number two. Uh, we're actually going to talk about the very first song I ever loved by Arashi, and that is Turning Up. This this is like the song that really got me onto these guys. Like like we have covered several of their songs before, and like I said earlier in the podcast, like it's like I I didn't see the big like what the big hoopla was over. I guess is like the best way to put it. It just you know, like, I, I mean, I guess it was okay or whatnot, but it just it just didn't resonate with me. 
And then I heard uh, Turning Up, they did it uh, for the Kohaku. Because like, I remember we covered it, and I don't even think I cared that much for it when we talked about it on the Oricon. But then they did it on the Kohaku, and I was like, oh my god, this song is awesome. And then I went and downloaded it, and I have been listening to it on repeat ever since, because this song is just fantastic. I love this song to absolute death. It's so catchy. It's just a fun number, and it's a good way to kick off the weekend, and I just really, really love this song. I love that the second chorus is in English. It has such wonderful, awesome lines in it. My One of my favorite lines is, with pockets full of funky beats to drop. Like that's just a great line and it's in the song. So it just it's just one of the best songs that they have and it, it'll always have like this special place in my heart as just like being like the song that turned me on to these guys. I love this song to death. I think it's fantastic and I I absolutely adore the song. So I also love Turning Up. It is a great track, and it really started to draw me back into Arashi, especially last year hearing it. It got me in the mood to jump back in, and it's just such a fun track, and it was perfect for the summer. Is It just keeps you going. The lyrics are fun. The music is fun. And it just... I feel like it made a big comeback for them in the J-pop industry in a way and going with the times as well as they're really trying to build up that international momentum and you feel it in turning up. I mean, that that's one of the things it just oozes is not only where the video was filmed, but just the lyrics of it, them utilizing their English and mixing it with the Japanese, how it was a good combination of East and West. It was just such a great song to show that. And especially with them building up for the Olympics, you know, I know they were starting to go toward that route. And this was a great song to just pull in all the communities all over the world as it talks about turning up the J-pop. And I just love that. And whenever I hear that, I really do turn my stereo up on that part. So I'm really glad you picked this one. If you didn't, I would have. It is a fantastic, fun beat by Arashi, and they do drop those funky beats in this. So, Now, this is a very interesting track, and I've, I've talked about this at length on the show before, and it's great, and it's one of the best paths to show off the group's international market, so to speak, to show off to towards that market, and I can't really fault them for that. It's for that mixture. It was something that I wasn't expecting. However, I love it. It's it's a great song. And like I said, when this first premiered, it would have really helped if the Olympics came. It really would have paid off dividends because I'm pretty sure they had a huge plan to push Arashi to the moon for that international market. And to the point it did work, but... I think that it would have gone out even further if the Olympics did go off. But that is an alternate timeline that we get to talk about in later. (laughs) But I'm happy that you guys did feature it. I know that if you weren't going to feature it, Gary, I know Luna was going to. So I'm very happy that 
you guys were able to talk about it. All right. So my number two is Gift of Boku no Mitiru Fuke. And Gift is an absolutely gorgeous ballad. And I fell in love with it the first moment I heard it. And it was due to how this track opens. Gift opens with absolutely beautiful piano with it sounds like the violin coming in there and just a perfect flow. And then the the guy's vocals are just so nice as they come in very slowly and integrate with the song and everything. It just accompanies it. That piano is my favorite. And even though it's a actually about a five five and a half minute track it does not feel like that and I think it's how the composition works with it I love all the vocals in it and it just makes me it just soothes my soul just how beautiful it is it's one of those songs you want to sway to relax to take in and enjoy and that's what it does for me it just mellows me out and just it's just such a peaceful beautiful track and I feel like it's probably overlooked a little bit due to the fact that there's so many great songs on Boku no Miteiru Fuke. And, but Gift is one that just immediately stood out to me due to how they composed it and that piano. It just, it just melts. It just melts your heart. Yeah, so for me, Gift is another one of those tracks that just emotionally grabs you and doesn't really let you go and it's actually really really great that it does that personally Matsujun or Matsumoto Jun is just absolutely amazing in this track and I'm glad that at least one of you got to talk about this because I I want people to know that this is actually an amazing song and one of the highlights from this album Oh, yeah, no, I completely agree with you, Ken. This song is easily one of the highlights of the album, and it's it's really striking. Uh, in my notes, I, I have, uh, it's, you, you really get to hear the guy sing the song with both power and grace, and it, it's really just done in a beautiful and amazing way that just really touches you, and it, it really just leaves its mark on you, and... It, in that album where there is a ton of great songs, I think it sticks out like a sore thumb, but I that that was me personally, but uh, there is a ton of great songs in that album, and to get to highlight it a little bit more makes it all the better because this song is easily one of the best on the album, and uh, it is one of their prettiest songs, period. Like It's just an absolutely stunning number. Yeah, so for me, my number two overall is... Love Rainbow. And this is just another song that's an absolute treasure for me. The vocals in this track is on point and the lyrics mean oh the world to me if you able are able to translate it from Japanese to English. It is the track that along with Beautiful Days that I always go to and sing with karaoke. Every part of this track shows off the best part of the group to a T. And this is probably one of the songs that I would be playing at my wedding because of just how the lyrics just speak to me. It, it, this is a very important song, including number one. Number one is absolute in my wedding, but this is another song that is I would also include in my rotation for that. And just how 
it ends up being it ends up doing it i i just love it so yeah this is a lovely song and i can see you karaokeing this ken i i think this is a lovely karaoke track it's just a fun lighthearted number and gets really stuck in your head just uh the way that it goes but but uh one of the things is uh this track really fo- um lets you focus on the guys and their ability to work together and so i i can see why it's your number two it's a it's a lovely awesome track and uh i i really really enjoyed it it was definitely one of the highlights for on a uh, beautiful world so i i i agree both of you i mean love rainbow is fantastic and for me i love how all the guys work together their vocals all on pointness they show that off and i understand from the lyric standpoint of why it does mean so much because the lyrics do hit to your heart and that is a big part of this track and i think the vocals really coincide with it and make it even more special for me i don't think i could karaoke this it would be too difficult but i i mean i think anyone who can is fantastic because just how the song flows is so nice i absolutely love the chorus to it as well and it just it it really shows off how great the guys are and just with everything love rainbow is and it is one of the highlights of beautiful world and beautiful world is a great album but i think love rainbow is one of my favorites on there as well and i'm really glad you picked it and that way we got to talk about it a little bit more with that, let's continue on to our number one tracks from Arashi here. Let's start with you, Gray. Yes, uh, I, I picked um, what is known as their biggest and most popular song ever, and that was Love So Sweet. I, I'm just a sucker for these songs. I, I absolutely love and adore this song with all my heart. It it Now, I will admit here that I do tend to listen more to the Love Reborn one over the original because that one's a little easier to sing along to than this one. But this one, the original is the better version of the song. I'm, I would not even try to debate that in any manner. The original is vastly superior, especially the composition of the song is just absolutely wonderful. And I really think that Arashi really wrote what, in my in my opinion, like I love cheesy love songs. This is the king, this is the standard making uh, uh, cheesy love song, and I just absolutely love and adore this song. I I just have it on repeat all the time, and with the wedding coming up and everything like that, like I always think about my fiance every time I hear this song, and you know, it's like. If I'm getting to miss her, like I'll I'll actually play this song a little bit, and it just reminds me so much of her, and I just absolutely love and adore this song, with everything that I have. It is just a really a wonderful track. So for me, "Love So Sweet" actually has some special meaning to me. So it's technically my favorite all-time Adashi song for a couple reasons. And one of them is me and Jeff used to watch a lot of dramas and he's my best friend. So he, he was like on and off with Adashi, but 
he played Love So Sweet for me. And I had never heard of them, but I was very, very into Japanese music. But somehow I, I was never into boy groups. And he's like, well, you have to hear the song. I know you're not really into them. And he played it for me. And I just, it was just such a sweet song. And then we also watched Hanayori Dango together. So that's the other, you know, reason. And and for me, because a lot of the art, I introduced more more stuff to him than he did to me. And so this is special meaning to me because it was one of those ones he introduced to me and it was just the sweetest love song. And it also got me through some, some times I was going through when, when I did hear the song and, and I, and then over time, you know, I would, I would listen to it on and off, but it, I think that was the first exposure to it for me. And it meant a lot to me of him playing it and introducing it to me and us watching the show together. So the second was my, one of my assistant Japanese teachers. I'm not going to say her name just, just in case I don't know if she'll get in trouble, but she taught one of our classes and she didn't really introduce much Japanese music to us. However, she was a huge, huge Arashi fan. And I found this out because we were talking music and we would lend each other CDs and then she's she started playing Love So Sweet on repeat over and over. She's like, have you heard this? Have you heard this? Do you know this one? She to do, she to do. And I did, and it just brought back all those memories of me listening to it with Jeff. And because it had been a while since we listened to it. And, and I just like adored it. And she would play it all the time. And this was her most played out of she won. It was also her favorite. And it became my favorite too. Because this is the one I had the most exposure to. And it was just also the good times I remembered listening to the song. I feel like every time I listen to the song, it always brings back good memories of the good times I've had. So for me, the more I listen to it, the more it makes me smile and happy. And it is one of those sugary sweet love songs, which is why I love it. I am a sap for love songs and this one for that reason has a lot of meaning to me and I just adore it so much and I didn't really listen to the reborn version just because I just have such an attachment to the original that for me it's really hard to steer more toward the newer one um but I just this will probably always be the one I always go to so honestly love so sweet is a great song and just shows off perfectly what the boys can do. And I can understand why this song is just so damn popular. And it is something that every time I listen to it, like no matter what I'm doing, I have to stop to work to it and listen to it. And this is another song of a countless songs that Odyssey has that are love songs or ballads and things like that, that I would just include in that rotation of just having it in a wedding wedding song kind of thing. You can probably always just listen to it in a wedding soundtrack anyway. But I'm glad that you guys were able to highlight this as this probably would have been in my list as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
太陽をでもなくて君だと気づいた時からあの涙ぐむ雲のずっと上に舞うほえむ月ラストリーまた一つ傷つそ、so、my number one track is it's I'm gonna say it's the most current favorite of mine because I've been listening to it on repeat for a little while is We Can Make It and it just has been putting me in such a positive mood it is a very upbeat track and if you're feeling down which lately I've been feeling pretty down lately I go to this and it just uplifts me and especially the chorus pretty much talking about you can make your dreams come true and it it's a it's a fun catchy song it has a great hook in it that it's just so easy to sing along to and whenever I have it on blast like I just start bouncing along to it I put a big smile on my face I want to sing to it the composition is just super catchy and I I cannot say enough how much this song has uplifted me over the last couple months and just put a smile on my face and it's one I can just go back and hit the back button to make sure I hear it again which I've done this week more times than I can count and it's just another great reason why I love time and this was one of the highlighted songs for me on it and I I just love it in so many ways yeah so we can make it is it's really great too and i'm really happy that you got the feature in here number one just the intro that masajun does for this track is absolutely amazing and sets a precedent for this song the ramp up from the intro into the chorus is something else and is one of the reasons that i just absolutely love this song and it shows that no matter what we can get through that other side kind of thing and it's a lyric and something that i kind of hold dear yeah i'm always a sucker for these overly positive songs like they're they're really good they make you they they leave you feeling good about yourself and that's like i said earlier like there's you can't have too much positivity in the world i mean it's a it's a dark world and sometimes it beats it out of you and so sometimes you just need like a positive reaffirming song to help keep you going and this song hits all the right notes it's so fun it's catchy and it just has this wonderful upbeat positivity about it that just leaves you coming back for more i love this song and it is one of the best songs on time and i i think just it just really sticks with you this is a wonderful song
so for my number one, this is very interesting. So it's Kotoba Yori Daisetsu Namono. And honestly, this track holds a very special place in my heart. It is not only the first song that I ever heard from the group, but it is used for the first drama that I ever fell in love with from the Japanese market. And it, that drama was called Stand Up, and I've talked about it earlier. It eventually showed me into the world of Odyssey, and show's rapping was on point with this track. And you guys just have to listen to the guitar version for this track during the live. So... In 5x10, Ninomiya plays, uh, does the solo, and he plays the a version of the song by with an actual band, and he's the lead guitarist and vocalist for this track. It's absolutely amazing. If you guys are able to find 5x10 and one of the Dome Tour concerts, go and watch it. It's absolutely amazing, and just got me loving this song all so much. The lyrics is absolutely amazing, and it is something that no matter what, Kotoba Yori Daisetsu Namono is always going to be in my top five for overall in my my discography. It's always going to be in that high up, and this track holds something very special for me, and there wasn't going to be any other song that was going to be number one. Love Rainbow and Beautiful Days are very high in my personal opinion, but Kotoba Yori Daisetsu Namono, it's always going to be number one for me if I had to judge it from Arashi. Yeah, I can see why this is your number one pick. It, it is a lovely, wonderful song. Like I said earlier, uh, Arashi like, really kills these rock numbers, and I think this is their best one easily. And it's one hell of a way to just start off the fourth, the fourth album. Like I remember the first time I heard this song, it really blew my mind. I, I was floored by just like how good it sounded, and just like it really just makes me want to get up and dance. And shows rapping it is wonderful, and I just you know really solidifying my absolute favorite of the guys. Like this song is absolutely amazing in every way and uh, i'm really glad you picked it as your number one because it is just uh, a lot of fun to listen to so kotoba yori taitsetsu mono was a great way to start off isa now and it is just a great poppy track that has it's just i'm trying to think of the words because the first time i heard it i absolutely adored it and it just put it me in a very good mood as the upbeat i love how upbeat it is i love the chorus shows rap is fantastic and there's so much that this track shows off it really does give a good it gives you a good idea of who arashi is by listening to it so if you're going into this for the first time i mean this will be one that will pull you in and you will absolutely fall in love with it i mean you won't have a doubt and you'll also want to listen to more of their tracks because of Kotoba Yori Taisetsu Mono. It is a very meaningful track and it is just, just blows my mind. And I, I'm so glad you included this on here because I absolutely love this song. This was one of my other favorites from Isa Now. And just everything about it just puts a smile on my face and just shows off how great Arashi is and 
and how well the song still holds up today, which is amazing. I mean, it's still one you can listen, you know, if you like, can you listen to it back when, when it first came out for that drama and it still for you still holds up and has meaning. And I feel like a lot of people feel the same way. And those going into it today can also fall in love with it and enjoy it for what it still is. And it shows it's a song that transcends time and it's just amazing. What's very interesting also, I I just have to put this in, is the fact that they really do show the synergy of what this drama was to to the music video because it's shot similarly on how the intro was for that drama stand up. And if you watch it, it's exactly they use the same locations, they use the the same filming work that they did for the intro for the for the music video it was very interesting at its time to have that correlation of the music video being the nearly the exact same feel of the drama and like i said stand up is an absolutely amazing drama i'm pretty sure it's very difficult to find now but i've i've watched it every year every summer it's one of those dramas that is very important to who i am today and切り取った But yeah, with that, you know, as always, we go over three and a half hours with these episodes, but I'm very happy that we did get to talk about Odyssey. It's something that I've always wanted to talk to you guys about, and you guys seeing the discography, we kind of said our piece already with it, but I'm so happy for these boys, and if this ends up being it for them, I'm so happy to have been able to listen to them and been so happy to have them have such an influence over my life, literally. I probably would not be here doing this or going to Japan as much as I have been without Arashi. And I'm so grateful for that. So I am grateful that we were able to go through their whole discography as this was an eye-opening experience for me as I was really only familiar with their most famous song, Love So Sweet, and I knew of them and I knew of some of their other more popular tracks from what we've listened to lately doing the podcast but going back and listening to them from the beginning and taking everything in was not only an eye-opening experience but it was a great one as it made me fall in love with Adashi and their music and know how great they are and why everyone absolutely adores them and I have become one of those fans I mean they have showcased their talent and everything they've done their accomplishments 
and I am just amazed. And if This Is Odyssey is their last album, I'm happy with that because they've released so much great music. And I'm glad they went out with a good album because despite my few qualms with This Is Odyssey, it has so many great songs on it. And out of their last four albums, I mean, it was the best. I think they ended on a good note. And not to mention, I mean, all their other solid albums, they've had so many hit songs, just everything they've done over the years. It's just amazing. And I'm so glad to have had this experience and listening to it and talking about all their music together. I think that's what made it best is listening and talking to it with friends and discovering new tracks and new artists for the first time. Yeah, these guys are fantastic, and I really enjoyed my journey to get to listen to all of their stuff. It was a wonderful time to just sit down, go through, and listen to everything that they have. There'll never be another group quite like Alashi, and you never know. I, I think they will come back, and they might come back even better than ever. Uh, time to you know, rest the inner, you know, rest the mind and focus your energy. It, you know, it really gives you perspective and can give you inspiration that you might not have never had. So, you know, you know, they've been going at it hard since 2001 and I, I think they've earned a break if anything. And I'm really happy that, you know, they'll, they'll get to take a moment and just kind of enjoy life for what it is. They've worked hard and they've, they've earned that rest. So, you know, wish them the best of luck. And uh, I'm really glad that we were able to just to sit here and uh, go over their, their history with you guys. And it was a lot of fun. But yeah, once again, you can find us on all the social media stuff at Ongakudu on Twitter and Instagram. You can find the site at Ongakudu.com. You can find me personally at OTYCan1, where I talk about Bang Dream, Aina Aiba, Bang Dream, Rondo, D4DJ, and more Bang Dream. Where can we find you, Gray? You can find me on Twitter at Ongaku Gray, where I mostly talk about Kamen Rider. So if you're a Kamen Rider fan, follow me there. And you, Luna? You can find me on several social media, such as Letterboxd, Twitter, my anime list, my anime, and Anime Planet, as Luna Maria 87 and Instagram as Nerdy Collector Luna, where you can see what I'm watching, what I'm listening to, and my cat. But yeah, once again, I want to say thank you for joining us on this very special artist spotlight of the group Arashi. I'm your host, Ken, saying thank you very much and have a great day. Aloha. This is Luna saying thank you so much for listening to this very long but insightful episode. Hope you have a great week. Ciao, matane. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Uh, we hope you've had just as much fun as we've had, and we will be right back here next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>